Stephen, mm-hmm. I have crossed a threshold from which I do not know if I may return. Another one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> just checking in you, with you, bud. So on our New York trip, yes, the last week, mm-hmm. you brought me to some comic book shops. Midtown Comics, yeah. From which I cannot be than anyone a comic book customer. Sure. Because I have my own con- like all the comics I need generally. Everything you're realistically gonna read. It, you you've got your list of things you read, you get them on the regular, you know. It, yeah. It's all set out for you. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You could start reading other things, but in the no. absence of that. <laughs> <laughs> so because of this existential crisis of hey, I want to support comic book shops when I can't buy comics, I have bought model kits that weren't Gundam models. They are just like mech models. Mm-hmm. Specifically like Kotobukiya frame arms model kits. I bought two while I was out there. You, yeah, you sure did. It was glorious. This, <laughs> I, this I, I don't, I don't has, know anything about the models. It was glorious to watch you squirm and, and just the inner has, torment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You remember when my sister got me my first pop? Got Funko the pop. Agent yep. Colson. She got me uh-huh. Agent Colson for Christmas, and I was always anti buying pops because I knew that I would buy too many. You know that you have no self control. We we both know right. the same thing. Because I love you. pops. Yes. I love pops, and so like yeah. I was like, no, I'm not going to cross that threshold. My sister crossed that threshold for me. Yeah. And I got that by Christmas, at Christmas. And by the time we moved out from each other, six months later, I had almost 100 pops. <laughs> so <laughs> when I started when you getting go, into, you go hard. Yeah. When I started getting into model kits again, and this, was, this has always been my rule, is if I'm going to buy a Gundam model kit, it can only be from a Gundam series that I've watched. Okay. Which vastly near, narrows it down to about <laughs> fifteen to twenty percent of the model kits that are out there, and then you go for you have them all in the same grade, which narrows it down another. You know, right? Well, yeah, because I don't do high yeah. grade. Yeah, I, I prefer getting master grades. One of these days, I'd like to get a perfect grade, but that's besides the point. So yeah, and then this last time getting back into model kits again, I found out that there's these Transformers Furai kits which you've seen when we went to Comic-Con. Right. And that's like a series of like 10, I think. And so I was like, you know what? Transformers near and dear. I love model kits. I'll add that. So I do Gundams and I do Transformers model kits. (sighs) I bought those two kits (laughs) with you. (laughs) They are neither Transformers. Nope. Nor are they Gundam. Nope. You bought them simply because you liked them and they looked good. Yeah. For shame. When I tell you how many tabs I currently have open. (laughs) (laughs) Different model kits that I'm like, that would be cool. That would be cool. I, 
I've streamed on Twitch twice since then, and both times we've gone down the a separate rabbit hole of different series of of kits that I want to get. I've ordered two more. Is that all? <laughs> and I feel myself being like, "Oh yeah," because here's the thing. Okay, one model kit. Like let's let's talk about this from a business perspective. From a business because, perspective. Because running running a Twitch is like right. can can be viewed as a small business, blah 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 blah. Sure. So one $150 Lego set. Right. Typically will last me two streaming sessions. Okay. Or Stop even a, like a hundred dollar model set. Yeah, that's two. That's two streaming sessions. One fifty dollar model kit, minimum two. Generally, three streaming sessions. Okay. Economically, it makes more sense. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is you're saving money by buying more things. <laughs> I'm. I'm this creating content only, only you. <laughs> at this a, logic at can a only better check price. Yeah, I'm getting more content per per box per dollar invested. Yeah, by buying model kits, mm-hmm. and I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I like where this is going. I see it happen. Oh God. <laughs> When Timon sings to Pumbaa, and he's just like, I can see it happening. <laughs> Our trio's down to two. And he, like, he sees the writing on the wall. Yeah. I see the writing on the wall. I see my left hand writing the writing on the wall. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> like, I see where I this is going. Penmanship there. Yeah. <laughs> bad. It's great, but it's bad. Ugh. The only thing I hate is it gives you extra pieces. And mm. so like, I'm just going to have like all these extra hands lying around. <laughs> it's going to be obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So that's where I'm at. Cool. <laughs> I built the two baby kits from Bumblebee. Oh yeah. That I got. I well, yeah. So they were cheaper on Amazon. Yeah. Right. But they're tiny. They're only mm-hmm. they're they're also only sixty pieces, so I finish them in one session. But they're also only like thirty bucks. Sure, and I really like them. They're very weird in the sense that one piece will have multiple colors, and when you're doing Gundam, each color is typically another piece that you're gonna have to put together. So like mm. they're very efficient with their piece count, but they all come with their own stand, so you can put them in all kinds of poses. They also come with extra heads, so if you have a Decepticon, you can have it holding the head of an Autobot. Nice. Poor pose. And like I told you when I first went down this rabbit hole of these Transformers sets, these are the first two. The only two that are out. They're slated for like 14 of them. And I got in at the beginning, so I'll (laughs) never have to do one lump purchase. Just buy them as they come out. Mm -hmm. I got in at a good time. I got in at a good time. (laughs) 
<laughs> it just yeah. really how much your consumerism stress, stresses you out. Not from like, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Like you know, if I were Mister Fantastic, and I could just fucking TARDIS my room. So you walk in and it has its own pocket dimension and it's huge on the inside and I have infinite space. Mm-hmm. Fine. 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 This is not that. No. No, <laughs> not no it like is that. that. There's only so many shelves that I can put up. <laughs> yeah, without crowding out the art, which you also need wall space for. Uh-huh. You, you, it's hard you've being got, me. You've got a <laughs> tough life, my my friend. It's so rough. It's so rough. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, I, I've had COVID this week. <laughs> yeah. Poor Steven got COVID the last full day that I was in New York. I'm the day so after we, we recorded. Could, we didn't have one more day to hang out. I yeah, agree. I, However, we front-loaded our vacation we front -loaded pretty like hard. Crazy. Yeah. So... We did, but even if we did everything do on anything, the bare minimum, that's true. But yeah, yeah, we we missed the extras. We missed the extras. We missed going to Gray Malk and Lane. Yeah, we missed hanging out with Demetrios. I really wanted to do that. Right. Yeah, me too. I mean, I could have <laughs> <laughs> just gone out on my own. You, it's true. There's nothing I'm stopping you. I'm, how old am I? I'm 36 <laughs> years old. I could have gone. <laughs> Gotten on a subway. Yeah. But it's fine. Yeah. It was chill. You know, you there was still a chance like that you might have been able to to spread COVID. It, I I don't I, I'm not upset with you for not potentially giving my friend COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As it is, I have tested three times now. All of them have been negative. That's yeah, Rachel too. I'm I'm I could not be more happy that I didn't have to share this particular event with either of you. Yeah. Yeah. My own symptoms haven't been too bad, just headache, sore throat, lots of sleeping. Took a few days off work, which was well timed with my own hype quake. I remember describing this to you last year. But this is the perfect time of year for a convergence of a large number of my interests. Oh. First round yeah, of the yeah, basketball. Yeah. The summer of hype. Yeah. <laughs> New magic set. Of course, I wasn't able to make it to pre-release, so bummed on that. There was also a concert. Oh, I was going to go see Godspeed You Black Emperor. I've never seen them. I've wanted to see them so long. Mm. They were broken up for a long time. Got back together. Had a ticket. Oh, well. At least I didn't give anybody COVID. And then, you know, the, the start of the baseball season. And it's also like a Ocarina of Time randomizer tournament winding down <laughs> into the final. It's just like all of this content just all falling on my head while I am literally not able to leave my room. <laughs> and so it was... It was so you're doing in, okay? In that sense, it was well-timed. Yeah. I also started replaying Celeste. God, that game's so good. It is so, so, so good. I remember, yeah, you said that in our game night chat. Yeah, one of the one of the best of all time. Anyway, should we do a podcast? Should we do a pod? Yeah. I suppose we could do a pod. Uh, if, if the mood strikes us. 
Twister Arms. Well, Nips, 13 minutes in, you want to go and uh, <laughs> intro? intro in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hype is my superpower. It's a podcast where we talk about the things that are hype, we're hyped about. I mentioned a lot of, we'll, we both mentioned a lot of miscellaneous things that we're hyped about in the intro here. See, we were on topic. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Now we get into the meat of the episode, which is comic bookery. Will, would you read this week? I read a handful of things. Actually, one of my UPS box hasn't gotten here yet. Oh, even though it said three to five business days, it has been five business days. Okay. And two weekend days, but whatever. <laughs> One of the books I read is in there. That's the only reason why I know that, other than the fact that my mechs aren't here either. But so that one will be for next week. In the meantime, in between times, I have five other books. <laughs> only five. <laughs> yeah. I've got Immortal Hulk, volume 10, sure. which again, I'm only going to. The, the biggest reveal in this we can't talk about because this is the one title that I want you to read down the line, so I'm not going to spoil it. Mm-hmm. And then I got Champions Volume 2, Killer App. Last volume of Champions was like Kamala's Law and Cradle, mm. and it ended with Sam Alexander and Miles Morales becoming interns at Roxxon to try to like take him down from the inside. And probably I have some champions too this week, but continue. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Fun. Thor volume three, Revelations. Mm-hmm. Kind of a non-starter, considering the last two books were insane. I was really looking forward to reading this, but it was, it's kind of a uh, mid-season bridge. Sure. Setting up the next Post-King in Black. Gotta, gotta, yeah. That was a big thing to... Well, yeah, but then also the Donald Blake stuff, right. where Donald Blake became the second <laughs> God of Lies and <laughs> all that ridiculousness. <laughs> yeah. Spiraling out of Thor is Beta Ray Bill. Mm-hmm. Ticket. And also kind of a non starter, but it, I guess it was interesting enough. What I was about to say, uh, as far as like lore revealing, didn't happen in this. It happened okay. in X Men Legends. <laughs> okay. X-Men Legends will be the last one I cover. It is six issues, three stories, and they all take place in between different 90s X issues. Interesting. God, I'm going to have to read the fuck out of this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Well. (laughs) So I was excited to read this one because you've been reading the 90s. Yeah. That'll be kind of fun to talk about. But then two... We we cl- we mm-hmm. get yeah. some insight into a character that we don't know a whole lot about. So anyway, that's what I got. How about you? I've got the sequel to the Rob Liefeld Reclamation Week: Deadpool, Cable, and X Force. Dead Cable, nice. Yeah, including going pretty deep on Deadpool. We've got sort of the end of kind of main story arc plot you know status quo set up the whole the the landau luckman and lake plot deadpool is the messiah etc that's kind of been building since issue one 
it is it now actually happens, reaches its climax here in issues 20 through 25. We've got a handful of issues of Cable as he deal, dealing with his psychic powers being turned off after the Cywar, the Shadow King, Psylocke mm. thing going on. And X-Force is continuing their uh, road tripping ways and they have a new member. Two new members, actually. Kind of. Hmm. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Actually, like, kind I'm of three. Generally, yeah, I like road trip issues. If they're written well. Yeah. Me like, those, those are the like character diving episodes. Issues. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, for two on that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that, well, that sounds fun. Shall we jump in? Get, get, get us started. Get us moving. Okay. So, Immortal Hulk, volume mm-hmm. 10. So, the last volume ended with the UFOs attacking Hulk, and then basically, like, seemingly, like, the red door opening up, which we've never... Yeah. I don't have any insight into red door. Okay. Because the green door has been the thing. Right. All of the Gamma people have seen the green door, and that green door is the connection to the place below all. So but basically there's also hell. Red Hulk, Red She-Hulk, etc. So one would assume that there's also a red door, question mark? Is how, I guess. How works? But like, Lankowski sees the green door. Hmm. And not an orange door. No, this <laughs> is UCSB day camp. Right, it's more. It's more of a. It's more of a gamma thing than it is like a skin color thing. Uh huh. But anyway, shout outs to the preschool where we met at Purple Door. Yeah, yeah. Purple Door and Pink Door. <laughs> so this basically has Joe fix it. So. Mm. The other personalities in past volumes have since been quote unquote dealt with. And mm-hmm. the only ones that are left are Joe Fixit and basically what's referred to as like Child Hulk, the one that refers okay. himself to himself in the third person and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Hulk is Hulk and kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So Joe Fixit is in charge is in control of the body and he's going <laughs> that around body. L- listen, listen to you sounding like Moon Knight. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And comic book stuff, comic book stuff. The Avengers get involved. She-Hulk turns teams and helps out Hulk. The Avengers are all about fists first. Mm. This, oh gosh. Okay, I can show you this. Okay, so (laughs) this Hulk tries to fight Thor. Thor being all godly and, and right all fathery so punches mjolnir and gets his hand blown off okay and then in his like next blow so hulk thor gets distracted for a second and then hulk's like hey take this (laughs) so his arm starts to grow back and he grows it around thor's head oh what (laughs) that's so weird yeah yeah and so he just has like wings, helmet wings sticking out of his arm. <laughs> <laughs> <It's so weird. laughs> um, yeah. 
And then Black Panther says, that's an amusing trick. Can I say it again? So he cuts off his arm so he can fucking save Thor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it takes a whole three pages for Black Panther to cut the arm off of <laughs> Thor's head. It's just hilarious. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. And then Mr. Fixit confesses his love to Betty. Because, so, you know, every personality has their own right. thing going on. And so for Fix It to confess his love for Betty as well was a thing. Sure. Do, 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 do. They get down into the place below to try to deal with the stuff that is happening and the leaders involved. Okay. The one below all is involved. Sure. Oh, so there's like an origin to. The green door. Okay. And they establish a connection between Stern's, Sam Stern's family and Banner's family. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Interesting. As far as exploring all that, I guess uh, we can save that for another time. Sure. One thing that was cool. So did you, did you read the Fantastic Four where thing dies? And goes to heaven. No. No, I did not read that. That was actually a Hickman run. Mm. Was it? Wait. And well, Hickman was involved in that run. Okay. In that era of Fantastic Four, I should say. But so Thing dies and goes to heaven, and Reed says nay and <laughs> and <laughs> travels literally to heaven to get Thing back. So <laughs> what a bud. Right? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's what it, yeah, is this a good God. friend move or a dick friend move? Right? I don't know. But point is, the Fantastic Four end up helping Hulk and all this, and mm-hmm. Thing and Doc Sampson teleport using using the Forever Gate, go to the place below all. Interesting. <laughs> And thing shows up and he's like, nice vacation spot you got here. So this is hell, huh? Guess now I got now I collected the whole set. <laughs> <laughs> Just a fun little throw. Nice. Yeah, it basically kinda ends. Yeah. You were saying Bruce you were you were freaking out piece. at the at the comic shops that the, the next volume, volume eleven, would be the end of it. Well, yeah, I thought volume eleven was going to be the end because yeah, yeah, because it's so thick. Yeah. But this on the back of the book says the acclaimed epic run reaches its horrific end, and it definitely feels like an end. So I'm kind of curious what eleven is going to be. Are you believe there are things? Yeah, maybe, to wrap I up? mean, apocrypha means you know like false stories, right? Like untrue. Mm sacred texts and all that so it could just be like back matter side stories wrap up right that's what i was saying so like so bruce's story feels wrapped up but there are other characters that we have spent the last 50 issues getting to know okay so i wonder if i wonder if volume 11 is going to be looking at that yeah Hmm. but yeah this was great this was awesome so the last 50 issue book that i read that comes to mind is like Miss Marvel <laughs> and not wow. Miss Marvel Kamala okay. Khan, but oh, Miss yeah. Marvel 
Carol Danvers mm. back in the early aughts. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't great. Okay. Mm. <laughs> well, like everything they did in that wasn't groundbreaking. It wasn't right. memorable except for the storytellers, but the storytellers haven't been picked up since. So <laughs> sure. I'm I'm curious and hopeful for Immortal Hulk because this was insane. This was such a great run. Awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah. So champions, fine two, killer app. Champions, yeah. A lot of back and forth. Basically, the quote-unquote big bad here is still Roxxon. We get introduced to a Roxxon-hired super team of five that act as villains to make headlines for superheroes and interesting stuff. I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know why they hired villains, villain mercenaries, <laughs> and not a hero team like an X Factor type situation sure. or pros. But <laughs> you know, whatever. So after the Kamala's Law drama, they are Roxon is going hard on their new social media app, which is <laughs> R-O-X-X exclamation point on. So it's like rocks on. Yeah, and, yeah. But it basically is their new branding. It's Facebook. It's the thing that they're pushing. Sure. And, oh, geez. So Miles and Sam apply to kind of get involved and see if they can figure out how to take Roxxon down from the inside. It's mm. not... Okay, so I guess one step back. Okay. These two volumes of Champions, this one and the first one with Kamala's Law, right. outlawed. Outlawed, yep. Not good compared to the last Champions run. Mm. The last That's Champions run was very much the like heartfelt spirit. The adults are fucking up. Yeah, the children need to take their place. We need to show the world that there's a better way. We can mm-hmm. solve problems without fights. Like it was very idealized. It was very straightforward. It was very clear. Yeah, this was literally just like let's try to do corporate espionage as teenagers. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and it just, yeah, that seems a little more muddled. They don't really know what they're doing, and yeah, it is fun to see Viv Vision because she's one of my favorite. Like newer yeah. characters that have been around. Like, I'm missing a lot of details, but I don't feel like you're missing out on anything here. Sure. It ends with convincing Kamala to get on board and be a new face of Roxxon. Huh. And she doesn't want to because Roxxon was behind the Kamala's Law stuff. But yeah. like for Roxxon, it would be such a huge win. And right. her agreeing to come on is what gets. Sam Alexander the job because he's too boring and neutral, <laughs> whereas Miles is not, I guess. Okay. And so they get him in for that. And, and then it basically it ends with at this giant concert that Roxanne has been putting on. They get Kamala up on stage and she's about she has this prepared Roxanne speech, which she and the coordinated other like eight champions in the crowd and in surrounding areas. Mm. She tears off her rocks on shirt and is wearing a white shirt that says, I'm not your law. Mm. And she makes a very Kamala Khan stance. And that was awesome. 
it inspires the other young team teens to that are in the crowd to get in the way of the hired cradle security. It basically ends with Congress actually abolishing Kamala's law. Oh, good. <laughs> About time. Yeah, which is great. A very short lived compared <laughs> to like the superhero registration act, which lasted sure. like almost a year and a half of our time. Right. But this lasted all of like six months. <laughs> yeah. So teen superheroes around the world are rejoicing. Cradle is now kaput. Kamala's law is now repealed. Teenage superheroes are now able to act again. And then, so the guy from Ironheart 2020, which is the one issue side or two issue side stories from Iron Man 2020, mm-hmm. where Kamala's law was enacted was enacted and there's this black guy that i forget his name it's not important but he's basically (laughs) he basically created like a rogue ai that went crazy okay as one does during iron man 2020 so he got fired from there got hired in secret at roxon and was programming these giant battle mechs battle mechs are connected to the rocks on social media app and mm-hmm. so when they're fighting, they're somehow they're able to predict Sam, Miles, and Kamala's actions, their okay. movement, <laughs> because of all of the data profiling that they've gotten from <laughs> the Roxon app. Okay. I don't know how that translates, and I don't know how they figured out. Like, I feel like if you're going to do that, you have to know who the identities are. To like mm. use their specific profile and not just this is how a teen moves. Sure, <laughs> this is how a teen yeah. Spider-Man would move. <laughs> so, so it's 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 not going off of like public video records of, of no. just them fighting. It's it's no, like it's all the farmed data from oh, their wow. social from media the social app. media. Oh no, it doesn't make sense. There's a full disconnect here, <laughs> <laughs> but. They're not able to predict Ironheart and Vision's moves. I thought because there's going to be tech involved, but it's because neither of them joined the social media app. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, secret identity. What? Yeah. Secret identity one. Two. Maybe, maybe no they other have, team is going to teen is going to move like Miles Morales. Maybe they have Finstas, <laughs> you know, like maybe they're, sure. <laughs> they've got like sure. specific you know, social media apps just for their superhero profiles. You gotta, you gotta get on that grind. You gotta, you gotta promote your personal brand, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're able to predict a Spider-Man and a Nova. <laughs> like how many like I'm teams? Ki- I'm, ki- <laughs> like I'm, I'm kind of joking, but like that would be an interesting wrinkle to have <laughs> like, teen superheroes making social media accounts for their superhero personas and just what that, what those would be like. And like, you know, the whole like Finsta thing of like the disconnect between your idealized self and your, your more real vulnerable self that you let people, you know, like Mm -hmm. your, your more close friends in on and like, which one becomes the real, which is it, it's the age old like am i you know primarily the the mask or am i primarily the person like right. but seen through a social media sort of like that would be agree. interesting so did you have you ever seen travelers no it's a show with time travel where 
the people from the future send their like essence into someone right before they're scheduled to die. Mm. And so okay. if they take over someone who's supposed to be dead, it's not going to mess with the timeline because mm. that person was supposed to die basically. Sure. Okay. Or whatever. So like or that whatever. person. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the people that they took over is this girl who is like, well, she, she had a mental disorder. Okay. But like with her helper, part of their like social learning was to make a, an online profile for her. Mm-hmm. And everything that they have from the future is your digital footprint. And so when they chose her, they thought she was a fully functioning adult mm. that just ended up passing away. But so the person gets taken over and then she finds out that she has all these, like she has these mental disabilities, mm-hmm. but that's not on her social media profile because that's not right. what the whole what, exercise What you for. put out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And then this other guy on that same team was supposed to die from, from a heroin overdose. And the newspaper from the parents said that that was his first time, but it turns out he was actually addicted. And so mm-hmm. like, it's all about, you know, whatever your electronic footprint was, yeah, in the, that's all they have to go off of in the future to figure out if you're a valid candidate for taking over when you die. Okay. Well, it's a very interesting idea. <laughs> <laughs> Super <Yes>. tangent. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing is part of the reason why Ironheart and Viv were not on the rocks on social media is because they're making their own. No, oh, sure. And it's, it's a champions app, social media app cute that they can use as basically for their discord <laughs> to like Excellent. talk to each other. But then also anyone can use it to like report stuff for champions to like follow through. On sure. All that kind of stuff. Interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. We'll see if that goes somewhere. Yeah. And just kind of, ends like it was very much <laughs> a like after the final battle kind of thing oh sure. andre sims is the black guy that he can control those the giant chaperone units which are the robots that we're fighting mm-hmm. and he says like i'm the remote and all of a sudden he looks like half tech <laughs> okay sure bud zero explanation on that one but it is what it is, I guess. I don't know. It's not it's not great. I was I'm kind of disappointed because when Kamala first put the champions together, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And it went on for I think four-ish volumes. Okay. Kid Cyclops was on it. Amadeus Joe right. Hulk was on it. Iron yeah. Heart. And then they used the champions title to introduce a bunch of other international heroes. Mm. And like before this relaunch, there was like 15, 20 members. And it was yeah, awesome. It was a real <laughs> it was a real party, it seemed like. Yeah, dude. It was I really liked it. It was it was really mm. going places. And this this new one, I, I hope I don't want to write Danny Lore, the author, off. Okay. But like now that I'm I'm telling myself that Outlawed and Kamala's Law was given to him. And sure. not an actual, like, his idea. 
Sure. And so hopefully going forward, now he can tell what he wants to tell. Sure. That's what I'm telling myself. (laughs) Nice. So that's that. So next up, I'm going to do Beta Ray Bill because this is another short one. Cool. So this takes place. It starts coming out of King and Black. Mm -hmm. The first scene is Beta Ray Bill was given like, was he the master of war or whatever from Thor? Right. Yeah. But Thor destroyed Stormbreaker. And so he needs a new weapon. Mm-hmm. A venomized Fin Fang Foom gets sent to Asgard. Cool. And so that's what he has to fight. Without Stormbreaker, Bill doesn't put up much of a fight. Also, for those who don't know who Beta Ray Bill is, <laughs> I should probably give a quick little introduction. So sure. Beta Ray Bill is a Corbinite. And he Which is an alien. Corbinites. Yes. Corbinites are an alien race and they look generally like humans, just bald, and they have like white eyes. <laughs> yes. And they have like orangish brown skin. Surter mm-hmm. comes to his planet to destroy it. And that's how Thor gets involved. Beta Ray Bill, or sorry, just Bill, I guess. But (laughs) Bill gets chosen by the village or the planet to go through a bunch of cybernetic enhancements to prepare him to be able to fight Surtur. And that's how he gets that like horse face. Yeah. And so he gets bigger. He basically think of the muscle upscaling that Steve Rogers gets from the super soldier serum. (laughs) But instead of a serum, it's tech-based and also deformed his face a lot. Sure. To the point where, as a Corbinite, he is very unattractive. He's very ugly. (laughs) Unrecognizable, yeah. Completely. And so, in that fight against Surtur, Bill is able to wield Mjolnir. And he uses that to fight Surtur and he wins. Odin sees this. He recognizes him. And so he commissions Stormbreaker for Bill. Mm -hmm. Bill and Thor become war brothers. And in the enchantment in Stormbreaker, he's able to hit that on the ground and turn back into his humanoid form. Oh, cool. Odin put that into like the magic, basically. Yeah. So when Stormbreaker got destroyed by Thor, he's Mm. no longer able to go back to his normal Corbinite form. Okay, yeah, that's important. So, because he ugly. So Bill is having sort of a like physical crisis here, mm-hmm. physical appearance crisis. So he's trying to defend Asgard, but without a Stormbreaker, Fin Fang Foom just runs him over. Thor has to come back and beats him with literally a single lightning bolt. <laughs> There's a a ceremony where everyone is drinking and having a good time. He and Sif have a history. Okay. And so at the party, Sif is like, hey, you know, let's have some drinks. Let's go back to my place. Mm-hmm. They get into her room. Sif is like, so how are we doing this? And Bill's like, what do you mean? She's like, what about your humanoid form? And he's like, mm. I fucking can't <laughs> go back to so that. So she just form. drops him? Well, I don't think he... Well, they can't kiss, but... Oh, because he doesn't have lips, sure. Yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe he's not necessarily equipped in this form. I don't. I honestly oh, don't know. Okay, but but so in the last interesting volume, it yeah, yeah that's in hmm. the last volume when Donald Blake trapped all the Asgardians in the blood dimension, he was back in his Corbinite form, his mm-hmm. regular form, and so now that they're back, he's back in this form, and so Sif thought that he could still go back and forth, mm. and he's like, yeah. I've tried. It just doesn't work. And she's like, oh. And he's like, it's fine. I understand. I'm out. So he didn't get me that night. So he got, in one form, he got emasculated by Thor. In another (laughs) form, he got emasculated by trying to hook up with Sif. He's having a tough time. Yeah. He has a ship named Scuttlebutt. Ship is run by a giant AI that has been with him since the beginning Okay. In the same the same way that like cables always had blacksmith and and ship or professor the AI and his yeah. And professor and the professor AI, uh Miguel O'Hara's always had Ly- Layla, the AI in his suit. Sure. Bill's always had Scuttlebutt, which is like a like helicarrier sized ship. Okay. Hmm. That is extremely large, yes. It is a very large ship. That's how he gets around. Okay. At the end of the first issue, all that shit went down. And so he's like, you know what? I'm out. Mm. Thor's like, where are you going? You're the master of war. He's like, yeah, but like, I need to find <laughs> some answers. I need to find myself. This, mm-hmm. isn't, this isn't working. So he's leaving. Pip the troll hey, is Pip. like, bro, let me join you. So Pip, yeah, Pip's basically just like, you shouldn't be alone. I'm going with you. And then also Scourge, <laughs> Scourge, what is the word? Stows away okay. on Scuttlebutt. And Scourge is like, here's the thing. Asgard <laughs> has a lot of weapons, but they have zero guns. <laughs> this isn't cool, man. <laughs> He's like, fine, fine. So let lets him come with him. Basically, he wants to, he wants to go find Odin to give him a new weapon or new magic so he can go back into his Corbinite form. Sure. So he finds... mm -hmm. So Odin, as we've seen in past Thor issues, he is drinking himself into a stupor at some bar somewhere that's not nowhere in Mm -hmm. the cosmos. Sure. They find him, he addresses him, and he's like, Odin, like, you got to help me. You got to give me this. He's And Odin's like, I don't have the same kind of magic that I used to. That's not mm-hmm. really, like, my thing anymore. What you're going to need <laughs> is you're going to need another, you're going to need another thing slash weapon with enough magic that could change you. Mm. And there is such a thing. And Bill's like, well, let's do it. What is it? And he's like, you should, you need to get Twilight. The blade of the demon fire god server. <laughs> you need to <laughs> you need some vampires. You and they need to sparkle. <laughs> yep. Watch out for werewolves. So now he, Pip, and Scourge and Scuttlebutt are off to go and get the Twilight Sword. Uh problem is it is located. It's in Muspelheim, and okay. Surtur hasn't been lifting it for some reason. His daughter, Cinder, who is currently the lord of Muspelheim, has been leaving it alone for some reason. 
Hmm. Don't know why, but Bill's like, F that, it's mine now. How do I get there without the help of the Bifrost? Because he's off on his own. For some reason, he doesn't want to hit up Sif. Oh, because he couldn't (laughs) sleep with her. So Sure. Yes. So... I think she'd have some uh, some investment in this too. Like, I know, right? <laughs> like, help help you out, and I get laid. Let's, let's go double <laughs> time. So Odin tells him about this portal that he has, like at the end of the cosmos. He had it built so he could banish creatures without needing the Bifrost, and he built a mighty citadel around it that is guarded by these like automatons of Odin's. He's going to give them the heads up. So he's cool with it. And so he meets them and they're like, listen, Odin told us about you. We're going to let you go, <laughs> but we're not going to let you come back. Okay. <laughs> like, if you come back, we will fight you. <laughs> he's like, okay. Mm, okay, fine. So the three of them go to Muspelheim, including Scuttlebutt. So it's like the four of them. And the reason why it's the four of them is because they go through Muspelheim, they go to the portal, and then the weird Muspelheim magics give scuttlebutt scuttlebutt the ability to like transform Mm. and ends up creating a physical body for herself kind of like danger from sure so she still has her ship but then she also has like a physical manifestation so now it's the four of them this that and the other happens comics happens but the main thing is scuttlebutt has records video records of their entire history together. She's been with him since day one. Mm. He got turned into this form within the like labs of Scuttlebutt. So she has okay. like video logs of that. So sure. she has all these logs of him, of him feeling all the times that he's felt alone, this, that, and the other. It's very clear that she has very strong feelings for him. Right. And Bill is just focused on this like loneliness and pain that he has Mm -hmm. flashbacks and progress. He gets to the sword. Surtur manifests himself to fight Bill. And he's like, you can't fucking beat me. Scuttlebutt makes an ax for Bill. Hmm. That's like rocket powered on the back. (laughs) (laughs) So, So he can get some good force on it. But anyway, Bill fights Surtur, Surtur fights Bill, Scourge and Pip help where they can. They distract Surtur enough for Bill to impale Surtur on a church like steeple. Okay. Sweet. Fun, pretty fun. Scuttlebutt turns the entire ship into a giant gun. Very reminiscent of the pros. Yeah. Not unlike the pros issue four, uh, for those who <laughs> want to check it out. <laughs> Thank you. And, and Scourge is teary-eyed that he gets to shoot this giant gun. <laughs> and that helps fell Surtur. Bill becomes worthy of Twilight, and he uses it to cut off Surtur's head once and for all. As for all as gods can be. Right. And he immediately is able to use it to transform back into a Corbinite, his humanoid form. Yay. I should point out that Scourge is dead. He's in Valhalla. And the Valkyries gave him a pass to go and hang out 
with <laughs> Bill for a little bit and shoot. So it shoot, ends shoot giant guns. <laughs> right. So it ends with <laughs> Scourge being taken back by the Valkyries. Pip was injured and is in the med bay. Oh, Pip. Scuttlebutt is leaning on Bill and holding his hand. And Pip is all happy for him. He's like, happy for you, Bill. You got what you wanted. You're whole again. And Bill just looks in the mirror. He says, you're right, Pip. I couldn't be happier. And he just clearly isn't. Mm. That's the end. So it just was a one shot. And it basically existed to give Bill Twilight, Mm -hmm. but also give Scuttlebutt a physical form. Right. This is the first time I've read a Beta Ray Bill title. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever been aware of one. Yeah, I like I don't want to say this is the first because I wouldn't be surprised if there's one from like the 80s or something. And it's easy to look up, but this <laughs> was interesting. Right <laughs> Just from the fact that they did a bunch of flashbacks of him going through the operation of turning into this physical form and also just like exploring who Scuttlebutt is is new. It makes me feel like this is a first time. Mm-hmm. Because every other time you see Beta Ray Bill, he's there as a presence. He's there to kick some ass and look like a badass. <laughs> and this was none of that. This was very much a, a hollow Bill. And when you get a hollow character, it's typically because nobody spent the time to fill him up. So that was fun. Looks like Beta Ray Bill had a had a limited series called God Hunter in 2009. Oh. Yeah. Damn. I wonder if I read it. (laughs) See, this is is why I say 99% of the Marvel Universe. (laughs) Uh Because either I've read it and I forgot, or there are books that I just ended up not getting. Right. Who knows what's out there? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. But the fact that, I mean, just 2009... Right. It's not much. No. Okay. Okay. Thor Volume 3. Yes. Yeah, 2009. It was only 13 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I To that point, <laughs> only the big things I remember from like 13 years ago. Yeah, totally. Not every random title that I've read, but still. Okay, so Thor Volume 3 picks up right after... Vanishing Donald Blake. They are drinking in celebration because they're Vikings. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thor is... The the fact that Mjolnir is so damn tough to lift is mm-hmm. really pissing him off. And it is now getting to the point where Mjolnir seems to be acting on its own. Mm. So, like, Mjolnir is in his like bedroom and it's on the ground. He can barely lift it. And he's trying, trying, trying. And then it like, just like pops up and then slams him in the chest. (laughs) Okay. And Loki comes in to check on him. The Mjolnir is just on his chest. He can't even get up. And so like Loki has to pick it up for him and let him up. Weird. Yes. So Thor is trying to figure out what's going on. And he's wondering, like, they don't spend too much time on it, but like, 
he thinks that Mjolnir wants a warrior. And now that he's king, he's no longer just a warrior. And so he thinks that might be a thing. Mm. So he goes to Midgard because he wants to talk to Cap. Sure. They're in the middle of this like alien invasion of trying to fight off. And Thor, and he's like, Thor, I need to talk. Or, I mean, Cap, I need to talk. And Thor's <laughs> like, or Cap is like, yeah, give me a second. We're kind of busy. He's like, but I want to talk now. And She-Hulk is like, um, robot monsters. <laughs> and Thor is like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. My apologies. And just that look. I love that little look of just <laughs> his eyes glowing, electricity mm-hmm. flying out. And then he's just like, cool. So let me just strike every single alien here in town with a fucking Jeez. lightning bolt to take him out. Yeah. <laughs> and Cap is like, well, that was loud (laughs) he's like i would speak with you in private iron man comes up and he's about to just like hey how you doing and he's about to put his hand on thor's shoulder and he strikes it with lightning oh oh wow yeah and and tony's like what the hell and he's like i have no time for your games i would like to speak with the captain (laughs) jeez okay yeah, and Cap is like, hey, I don't care what your problem is. You can't just... And then he feels Mjolnir start to like move. And Thor is like, oh my god, oh my god, Captain, guard yourself. And he screams Mjolnir no as he strikes Cap just with oh, all wow. of Mjolnir's supposed might. To the point where like he's breaking the concrete under Cap's feet. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Cap is shook and he's like, you, you hit me. And Cap is like, or Thor says, you know, I'm sorry. I, di- I didn't do that. Mjolnir, something is wrong. It's acting on its own accord. I'm losing control. And Cap is like, okay, let's go talk. <laughs> so they go to Avengers Tower. Oh, sorry. Avengers Mansion, which was not on the, <laughs> sorry, Avengers Mountain, which was not on the Marvel tour. Is it in New York? It's. It is well. It's inside a celestial in Antarctica. So well, I rest my fucking face. Then <laughs> we're not going to walk to goddamn Antarctica. Well, if we were Colossus or Conan <laughs> or Hawkeye, we could have. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so he's talking with Cap, and he's like, "Listen, I don't know what's going on here. I've kind of lost my way. Mjolnir's being a bitch, and I don't know what to do. So until I can figure it out." I want to leave Mjolnir here on Avengers Mountain. And Mm. is that okay with you? And Cap is like, of course, no worries. We'll figure this out. So we get a view of this nightmare vision that Thor has been having about Thanos wielding Mjolnir with the Infinity Stones embedded in it with that black (laughs) gauntlet and (laughs) an army of the undead. It's a whole thing. I... The fact that we're now seeing it more and more makes me, oh God. Because <laughs> Thanos <laughs> is still dead right now. Right. Like, how is he coming? Whatever. Okay. It actually ends with, it's clearly it's a nightmare, but it ends with Thanos crushing Thor's head underneath his boot. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So Thor meets up with Jane to talk about what's going on. They have some superhero hijinks because it's Marvel Comics and doesn't get anything from it. But then he gets a summon from his mom, 
from Freya. And he's like, the hell is this? And so he goes to the singing, the singing forests of Vanaheim and sees Odin. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? So basically (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't want to talk to Odin right now. And I'm going to be honest. I don't remember why he's mad at Odin. Like Odin steps down at the end of the war of the realms to give the throne to Thor. I don't or whatever. (laughs) It's not that big of a deal. I don't think. We just know that they're not getting along right now. And Thor refuses to talk to Odin right now. Odin's been trying. And so it seems like Odin's the one that summoned him under the name Freya. Turns out (laughs) Freya and Angela are here. Hmm. And Freya has become kind of like the goddess of the hunt. Basically, they got attacked by this giant blue rhino thing. Neither of them were prepared. The rhino gets his head cut off and it was from Freya. So, Angela, as we found out in Original Sin, is the firstborn of Odin. Right. Stolen by the, well, taken away by the angels of heaven, H-E-V-E-N, and (laughs) banished away. Because you can't just misspell hell. I know that it's Norse. I'm freaking Scandinavian. Don't at me. Well, (laughs) it also, it's the 10th realm. Which right. ventures from Norse mythology. So, <laughs> I mean, depends. Heaven and the angels there, are the tenth realm. Th- there's like, there's some actual versions of the Norse myths that do have like a a high heaven ah. within, but a lot of the you know some of that might be like once Christian missionaries came in and started right. adapting the, the Norse myths to their own mythology. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Checks out. Not unlike the Book of Mormon and you know all <laughs> the Lord of the Rings and Darth Dude, Vader scenes. Oh, man. <laughs> I was the more the more it sat with me. I was really happily impressed with Matt Stone and Trey Parker's telling of like <laughs> of religion. Yeah. No. They they did the religion parts really well. Oh yeah. I, that was. I was happily uh, surprised. I really wanted to take you that to that because I felt like it would be like the closest you could get to like seeing the South Park movie again for the first time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Oh man, the message of Book of Mormon, it, at least for me, was really on point. There were some good. There was there there was definitely some good bits in there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, don't be a dick. Like I don't care what story I have to don't, tell you. Don't Just make don't Jesus don't make Jesus call you a dick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So Angela is from heaven. She is Odin's firstborn. Those who are a fan of Spawn was introduced to Angela in Spawn. She came over from Image Comics, and she's ours now. So <laughs> she was also the queen of hell for a little bit. She's lost her identity. Over the years. You mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. It's made me kind of sad. That is a bummer. Like, when she first got introduced, she was huge on this, like, give nothing without taking something. So, mm. like, if... All things have balance, scene, basically. Yeah. every Everything must be a trade. Mm. No one side of the coin can be uneven. So, like, there's a scene 
of her in Central Park. A ball gets kicked over to her. She holds the ball. Boy comes up and is asked for it back. And she's like, nothing could be nothing could be gained without giving something. And so she's, but she's like, a lot of fun know. at parties. <laughs> right. <laughs> so she was she she asked him like a question or some sort of information or like something he had to pay to mm. get his ball back. And it's in like that was such an ethos that I I assume she took from her image run. Right. And, you know, her teachings in heaven, all that kind of stuff. But like since then, she's just kind of like a an Asgardian Gamora. Mm. She's just a yeah. real badass with her swords. Uh, with her yeah, sword. that's unfortunate. Yeah, and it, it makes me sad. But it is what it is. So there's a whole scene about Freya deciding to become goddess of the hunt. And she has a giant... <laughs> She has a giant cat with Gatling guns on it. Oh, sick. <laughs> Do not show this to Bart. <laughs> yeah. The cat's name is T-R-J-E-G-U-L. Tregel. I Honestly, besides the guns, I think the giant cat is probably a Freya thing. Mm-hmm. But that was cool. Not a whole lot happens here with the exception of Thor trying to figure out his place and Freya and Angela being like, we better figure it out. And, and to the point where Angela's like, if you don't get your shit together, I will come and claim my birthright. <laughs> <laughs> and Thor's like, you dare? She's like, you're damn right. <laughs> Her being the firstborn and all. So basically she is disappointed with all the sh- that shit that's happened since he's get- taken the throne. Donald Blake uh, world serpent bullshit uh, Mjolnir the stuff he did with Galactus and the Black Winter like all this ridiculousness he is not being a very good king so do not make me take it back and then Freya and Thor kind of have a semi moment to talk about the fact that the Phoenix is his mother his birth mother Freya's like I changed your diaper He, she basically does the like Mm. He may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. Right. Quote from yeah. Guardians 2. And she was like, listen, the first word you ever said was mother, and you said it to me. So Phoenix can, Phoenix can birth you all she wants, but you're mine. <laughs> <laughs> so that was cool. At the end of that conversation, he gets a call from Cap. And Cap is like, hey, so Mjolnir got stolen. <laughs> Thor's like, excuse? He's like, I know. Thor, uh, it got stolen. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so Thor, and that's the end of that issue. Thor, the next is- issue is Thor meeting with Loki. And he's like, Loki, help me. And he's like, listen, last time I helped you, Donald Blake got all up in of this business. I, I don't want to, nah, 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 no thanks. <laughs> And he actually, Thor actually says, you're the only person I can trust. And Loki gets kind of sad, but he's just like, listen, I'm a king too now. Like, I can't just be gallivanting the nine realms, the ten realms, to try to locate this damn hammer for you. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, I can't. <laughs> and so Thor goes to... Throg. Mm-hmm. And he's like, 
sup guy help <laughs> and throg's like oh i knew you were coming i'm gonna need to put a team together <laughs> so okay. we're we're putting the pet avengers back together oh boy all right the pet, pet <laughs> avengers initiative mm-hmm so he's like, I'm going to need unfettered access to the ten, 10 realms. If I do this right, no stone must be left unturned. I'm going to need, I'm going to need your two ravens, Hugin and Munin. And he's like, of course. And then in order to, like, because the ravens will be able to see all, in order to get to all, I'm going to need to go get my buddy Lockjaw. And Lockjaw's like, let's do this. And then, <laughs> well, ba- sorry, let's take, let's take one step back. He shows up in Lockjaw's room, wakes him up, and he says, wake up, old friend. Adventure awaits. And Lockjaw gets real happy. So <laughs> his tail starts to wag. And then he's like, uh, with access and tracking secured, our safety and protection must come next. We'll be heading into dark, dangerous, and unknown waters. We, we mustn't, in our haste, wade into these waves blindly. For this, we'll need a forward scout. That's where Lockheed comes in. Hey. <laughs> so he goes and gets Lockheed. And then he's like, and finally, given that whoever is responsible for the theft of Mjolnir has managed to hide it from the eyes of Sif because she can't see it, I fear the, this problem is mystical in nature. Thus, I would require a team member proficient in the use of dark arts. I have someone in mind. Goes to the Sanctum Centaurum. Strange is like, Throg, what are you doing here? Uh, what can I what can I do you for? And he's like, listen, I you know, it's good to see you, but you're not why I'm here. He needs bats. So bats is this ghost dog that has been introduced in Doctor Strange for a couple years now. Mm-hmm. Last time we saw him was with Black Cat in King and Black. Yeah, he's he's a dead dog and he can talk. No. He's a ghost. Puppy. Mm-hmm. He's like, that this is the list of people I'm gonna need. And Thor is like. I see you've given this some thought. Got you. You have my blessing. Go and assemble your team. And he's like, Thor, I assembled them four days ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pulling the uh, <laughs> pulling the fucking um, Ozymandias. Yeah, basically. And I really want this shot, this shadow outline mm. of his little pet Avengers. Yeah. But Bats, Bats is blocked by a speech bubble. But I love that. I love that shadow look. That's sweet. But the the issue and the volume ends with you will know us as Avengers. And it's got sick all colored in. So the search for the hunt for Mjolnir is coming up next. There is another issue in here, and it's the Infinite Destiny's Thor issue with that guy that had the blood Thor that had <laughs> nothing to do with an actual infinity gem. Sure. Uh, that we talked about like two episodes ago. But yeah, so we'll see. I don't this this whole Mjolnir acting up and having a mind of its own kind of mm-hmm. thing is very strange. I'm assuming I'm going to assume someone has control over it. Yeah, because like so, Thor has always thrown Mjolnir in like straight angled directions. Mm. Jane Foster's <laughs> Thor did introduced curves <laughs> into Thor into into uh, Mjolnir's trajectories. Okay. So now external control. Mm. It's just kind of the next introduction for how to use Mjolnir, <laughs> I guess. So uh-huh. it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Nice. Okay. X-Men Legends. Yeah. Yeah. Three stories here. The first two issues takes place 
after X-Men 1991, issue number 39. Okay. Let's see what was happening around then. We have Eric the Red and the Shi'ar and the Crystal Claws. And we're going to be dealing with this little known mutant called Adam X. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. This was Adam X's first, one of his first appearances. Not his first appearance was issue 39. Oh, this was, I'm trying to remember if this was the really cool. No, it isn't. There was this one. (laughs) Wait, yes, it is. He had this really cool sort of like, he met up with Scott's grandparents. They were out in Alaska and he like helped Scott's grandfather like pass more peacefully, basically. Cool. Or maybe he's I did not know that part. Yeah. Well, that he might pass in like issue 40. Okay. Because in this, Eric the Red and the Crystal Claws kidnaps the grandparents. Oh, okay. And uh, Havoc and Cyclops are on the job in their 90s outfits. And we get introduced to a little bit of background for Adam X. Basically how he was trained by a Shi'ar commander called Jonath. And he learned... Oh, sorry. They got exiled to Cheri Shara. And they became farmers, and his mutant power manifested. Do you know his mutant power? Do you want to tell people what his mutant? Power? Yeah, he he can make blood burn. Essentially, he it, once it's exposed to air, he can ignite the electrolytes in blood. <laughs> Just yeah. metal as hell, right? And so his like uniform or his like what he wears has a bunch of blades on it, and yep. so like. He's super agile. He's trained by, you know, he's trained by Shi'ar fighters. And so them having hollow bones, they're very agile. So he learned how to be agile. And so he just needs to draw blood and then he can use his mutant power to ignite the blood. And it hurts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) As as one's blood burning, I imagine, would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And so... While Adam is on Earth, he comes across a farmland and that was like home to him. So he starts like kind of just working out in the farmland. Kid comes up on Adam and he's like, what are you doing here? And Adam's like, I'm just being. And then Adam gets confronted by Cable. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to try to, let's see. I thought I destroyed, oh, he thought that he destroyed the Crystal Claws hidden base in Argentina weeks ago, which happened in Captain Marvel 1995 issue number three. By the way, just because all these summers are popping up, the story was initially published when there was some expectation within editorial that they were going to make Adam X the long lost third summer's brother. They ended up replacing his exact same story with Vulcan. Basically yeah, doing Gabe the Summers. same story with a different character. But the whole like Shi'ar origin, it essentially, or half-brother, he was going to be the son of Catherine Summers, uh, Havoc, and, and Scott's mother, and Deken by rape. Deken, the Shi'ar emperor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in this farmland, Hepzibah and Raza show up. Havoc and Cyclops show up. They have it out with each other. Mm -hmm. Adam draws their blood. 
ignites. Raza and Hepzibah pass out. Havoc and Psyche are unaffected. They attack Adam mm. back. He's unaffected. No. They're like, wait a second. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So they doing that plot after all? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's unexpected. I agree. So, so the first issue ends with Corsair showing up. He's like, fellas, meet Adam. He's your brother. And then he shoots him. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> it just knocks him out. The, the next, next issue has the full introduction of Adam, basically, Corsair says, Adam was part of former Emperor Dekan's eugenics program, merging Shi'ar DNA with that of other species in search of a way to advance the deteriorating evolution of the Shi'ar race. Before I escaped Dekan's slave pens, before he killed your mother, the maniac culled cell samples from her. But also, one one can infer by the art that they chose that it was not a consensual situation. Right. Dekan has... A giant shit-eating grin, and Catherine is not happy. Wow. And then, so Havoc is super excited because he's not the youngest brother anymore. And so they're <laughs> really, happy to Really? That's have your takeaway? You piece of shit. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Well, they don't know that that's what yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Havoc's like, half of you is our mother. That makes all of you my little brother. Finally, I'm not the youngest anymore. And so they have to do a team up to go to the Shi'ar emporium to talk to Lalandra. Uh, Eric the Red gets involved, more Crystal Claws uh, fighting, <laughs> and then the Shi'ar Imperial Guards show up and they take the Summerses to Lalandra. Oh, I should also say that Cyclops is not surprised because he said that Sinister mentioned brothers. So He like, did. That was, yeah, so they are mm-hmm. full on. Yeah, here you go. Mrs. Sinister taunted me about my quote brothers in X Men 91, number 23. Yep, and Corsair says plural, there could be more. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is clearly before we know about Gabe, but then right. also, oh, I should also point out that in the that or cell that Adam is from, in that scene, there is another cell. <laughs> and the name on the cell, we only see it starts with V-E. Oh. Or sorry, E-V. E-V. So mm. uh, we've got Adam up here. Yeah. And we have E-V down here. Like Adam With and a Eve? baby. With a baby actually there. Huh. And then it's just left. Yeah. Maybe it's you said, Experiment yeah. Vulcan or something. <laughs> Well, if there's an Adam and Eve thing going, I, yeah, I agree. But like the third level letter looks like it might be an A. Like, could be mm. like an Eva. Eva, <laughs> Eva zero zero. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Is that a character? <laughs> well, just like Evangelic. Like, oh, God. Jesus. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that get, was just <laughs> getting the fucking Star Jammer, Shinji. All right, we got there. You can continue now. (laughs) Yeah. I was given a name that was neither Shi'ar or Mephidosoid. I never asked why. I never asked what other secrets I left behind. I was told my past would be an unwanted burden. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a Summers, but there is an EV angled third letter name also in those pods. 
that they can use for later, I guess. So Lelandra, because Adam poses a threat to the Empire, because he comes from Deken's reign, Lelandra doesn't want to leave Adam alone. However, she agrees to what he has proposed, which is to use Oracle to erase their memories of the situation. However, Oracle says that she will leave fragments of recollection in your minds enough to recall contact, but not context. You'll feel discomfort and a lingering headache for several days, blah, blah, blah. So the brothers have a chance to say goodbye. And then Adam gets dropped off on the Jenkins farm, which is where we found him at the beginning of the two issues. It ends with Sinister having an eye on the farm and then someone else watching Sinister having an eye on the farm. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Yeah. So we have confirmed half-brother Adam on the mother's side. He's on Earth. Well, he was in the 90s. Right. See what they want to do with it later. Sinister knows about it. And someone was watching Sinister. And there's an EV third person. Not necessarily Summers. We don't know. But in the same science lab as Adam. Interesting. Okay. (sighs) Next one. The next story is uh, an X-Factor story. And this takes place before X-Factor 86, number 43. Okay. So this is the original five. This is the original five. Yes. All right. So Cameron Hodge loses to Archangel, gets his head cut off. Yeah, he does. Fuck that. And guy. then Apocalypse takes his head. The he's still alive. Vocal cords aren't working anymore. And Apocalypse yeah, is like, he's I already could made his you. deal with devils to to have eternal life, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Yeah. Apocalypse gives him shit for not making the right kind of deal <laughs> for his eternal life. But this is probably I think this is when he starts to get techno organics, which go full scale shortly thereafter in Extinction Agenda. Maybe like a year mm. or two after. When he becomes sort of the man behind the scenes in Genosha and kidnaps a bunch of X-Men and turns them into mutates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Warlock dies. Mm. Whole thing. This is when Caliban is working for Apocalypse. Oh, poor Caliban. I know. So Caliban kind of acts as the like, Apocalypse, what is explain what's going on here (laughs) perspective and the five on X factor are on ship that they stole from apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Ship. They must've just gotten ship. Yeah. They do not fully understand ship. Ship is developing an actual like conscience consciousness. It is confused. By the way, because this other character came up already, this, this episode, do you know that ship and Cable's Professor AI are the same character. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Huh. Just kind of evolved and evolved over centuries and millennia and hooked back up with Cable in the future and then traveled back to the present Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting because we get a little bit of insight into Ship. So Ship has discovered this consciousness about itself. And so it's trying to discover itself all the while you have angel slash archangel trying to figure out his, the balance in his new life. And then Marvel oh, girl, oh. dark <laughs> Phoenix. 
Sorry. Also, this is Apocalypse's celestial ship. The one that he found, you know, thousands of years in the past and turned himself into the apocalypse that we know today through it. Yeah. Yeah. So a real backdoor. I should have made ship one of my deep cuts because <laughs> seriously, like a, kind of a, an outsized role in Marvel history, history considering. Well, now we might get it further. Yeah. Like one of the storylines is literally ship figuring out what it is. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So you also have Marvel Girl dealing with having Jean Grey, Dark Phoenix, and Madeline Pryor in her head. Right. For control. Okay. So this would have been after Inferno. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's got her identity crisis going on. Warren's got his identity crisis going on. One could argue that. Iceman is still in the closet, so he has his own thing going on, but that doesn't get touched on. So He's also dealing with weird power level things these days, I think. Yes. Yeah. That got brought up. Oh my gosh. Um, something about... Oh, he this has this awesome. like... He has this belt. like power belt. Yeah. Yeah. Inhibitor belt. Yeah. Inhibitor belt. Okay. So, so this, anime. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is actually a plot point in... Um, Remember that Mutant X alt-reality alt storyline? Basically, Beast was never able to, because he lost his intelligence in that reality, he wasn't able to invent this belt for him, and so his powers stayed out of control, and he's all like cold and cold emotionally distant from people because he can't touch people or he will just like snap oh, freeze wow. them. Yeah. That's wild. Wow. Yeah, okay, well, <laughs> belt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Apocalypse is watching ship from afar. Caliban is like, why do you care about the ship? Why, why are you keeping an eye on it? Apocalypse is saying something about like testing these five, and he knew this day would come, didn't know it was going to happen so soon. He's basically, listen, there's a lot about the ship you don't understand, Caliban. Just, we're going to let this happen. So he offers Cameron Hodge a new body to send him to go and attack the five. Interesting. Because ship is going to leave soon. And Mm -hmm. he would rather, if Cameron Hodge can beat these five, he would rather the ship show up with zero specimens. Mm. And Caliban's like, what are you talking about? He's like, don't fucking worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he impulse builds this giant robot body for Cameron Hodge to use. Ship is trying to understand its new existence. There, there is a core within it that is triggering a bunch of changes within ship. Mm. And Ship is asking the five to get there to stop it so we can access its memory banks. And they're like, sure, let's do this. But like the, the ship itself is like fighting it, fighting back. Sure. It gives Archangel and Iceman a chance to explore their powers a little bit. And then Apocalypse sends Hodge in, but he sends it with like this like doom helmet on. So they don't hmm. know that it's Cameron Hodge. Okay. So they fight. It takes. Oh, also, Christopher is here. Uh, Summers? Baby Christopher. Oh, that's, that's cable. I that's assume that's cable. cable. 
Yeah, they, yeah, there was a there was a long weird thing about whether I mean I think it started as editorial mix up and then they were like oh actually this was like Scott insisted on calling him Christopher after his dad, and Madeline uh, insisted on calling him Nathan mm. after I wonder Sinister. why yeah. Nathaniel Nathaniel Essex. Yeah. So they 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 managed to get their way out of you know, an editorial snafu pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty elegantly, all things considered. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's two such different names. Like they did that with Bruce Banner and right. calling him Robert one time. And then they just made it. So his name is Robert Bruce Banner <laughs> <laughs> for the Bruce rest is his of middle time. name. That's what yeah. he goes by. <laughs> but yeah. So this robot attacks Cyclops and Gene are trying to protect Christopher Beast, Iceman, and Archangel are fighting the robot. Cameron Hodge doesn't have a voice box, and so he's trying to get them to understand that it's him <laughs> that's <laughs> taking them down and not Apocalypse, even though it has Apocalypse written all over it. Sure. And they keep on they keep on saying, like, oh my gosh, Apocalypse is gonna pay for this. And he's like, No, it's me. But <laughs> that never fucking happens. The robot body is built to be the anti these five. And so like the optic blasts are bouncing off of its armor, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Beast tries to start prying open the top. He gets knocked off. Iceman says, okay, we need to deal with this. And so he takes his belt off. Oh, deep freezes Cameron Hodge, but there's a built-in heater. (laughs) Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> also, it's a it's a computer. You're just making it run more efficiently, right? Christopher lands on top and starts just kind of pulling apart where Beast had started working on. <laughs> so he's already starting to show some ability, right? And and it's shown with like a little red TK bubble. So like it's not his own strength. It's just his abilities obviously because we know this takes place between two issues no one's gonna die people save the day they mess him up at the end and then it gets tell he gets teleported back to apocalypse cameron hodge then gets his little like spider legs on the bottom of his head carriage and gets teleported away so that's how he gets to genosha that was never explored and and that body yeah yep so that's that. And then Apocalypse is like, he basically, he gives Cameron Hodge shit for focusing too much on Archangel and not on the full team. He should have gone for the child first to throw them in disarray. It says, I've been watching Genosha closely. Humans there have made mutants their slaves. Are there many mut- mutates? not of greater interest than these five specimens, six counting the child. Cameron says all mutants must die, and yet as tools, mutates have their uses. They may indeed. I promise to give the matter some thought. And that's when he teleports away. Falco says, Farewell, Hodge. May your hatred of mutants prove as useful to me in the future as it has in the past. Caliban asks why he let him escape. Says uh, his attacks in time will force mutants to grow stronger. But he failed, and X-Factor survives. Does that mean you too have failed? And he says, X-Factor remaining alive, well, and in possession of ship, and yet you can 
you seemed oddly pleased. Uh, this is Caliban. And he's like, and now ship is leaving. Why? Where is it going? Will you not tell your faithful hound what's happening? X-Factor were my finest creations, Caliban. And for hmm. that, I was loath to destroy them. Hmm. I am pleased they succeeded in defeating Hodge, despite the behemoth. As to where ship is going, I don't know. Not exactly. I only know that at last its creators, the Celestials, are calling it home. Hmm. So... That's where ship is disappearing to for now. Caliban asks, what are Celestials? You have like a bit of monologue from Apocalypse just talking about them and they are calling ship home. He says, uh, judges with the power to destroy worlds they deem unworthy, angels, perhaps even gods. I met them long ago (laughs) and I took the sampling device they left behind for my own. For a time, it became my ship and taught me many things. When I gave it to X-Factor, I planned to send them to the Celestials as examples of the best Earth had to offer. I hoped this might might buy Earth time before they returned again to judge uh, and possibly destroy humanity. I hoped those promising samples might put off their arrival for another century or two. Now it is out of my hands. If the Celestials find them of interest, it may buy the Earth the time it needs to for more of the strong to emerge. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. just kind of like a fun little... Yeah, that's what I wanted to happen because I'm Apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. The last story, I'm not sure why it was told because there aren't any like world expanding types of things, but this takes place between X-Factor 75 and 76. So this is the Havoc, Polaris, Strong Guy, Quicksilver, Wolfsbane, Multiband, multiple. Yeah, Peter David's first X-Factor run. Yes. Oh, I should also say that they got the original teams back for all of these stories. Really? Yeah. So Peter David wrote this. Oh, wow. Louis Simonson wrote the, the last one? Mm-hmm. Cool. And then what, like Fabian Nicieza wrote the one before? Yep. <laughs> got yeah. it in one. So, <laughs> let's see. Hey, X-Heads, we're using the series to dive back in and tell all new stories by the original writers set during various periods of X-Continuity. These are all 100% truly in continuity, and some were stories that were intended to be told years or decades before, but are only now getting their moment to shine. Interesting. Cool. So, yeah. So this last story starts with Valerie Cooper being interviewed by the government, because she is the government liaison for X-Factor. Yep. And... They are grilling her about an incident that happened at the Latvian embassy. Emissary. Embassy. There it is. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Okay. And we basically get introduced to four mutants that are here from Latveria. Uh, one is... Oh, so one is like L- Lugnasa. He's a big boy, L-U-G-H-N-A-S-A. And he can okay. create like locks and doors huh. Not to familiar. like block doorways. This other girl also creates like walls, but without form. And she's <laughs> all in red. And then there's this other guy that's all in green and he can shoot like green fire and he melts people. And then the last one is this girl that can create illusions of your dead loved ones. Well, 
That's pretty grim. Right? So they are all Latverian mutants that attacked the Latverian embassy. They killed the first person, the the like the receptionist. Doombot gets in the way. They kill the Doombot. The girl that creates the red walls is called Imbolc. I-M-B-O-L-C. Okay. And the guy that shoots the green fire is Sam Hain. Okay. S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Anyway, they hold the Laverian Embassy hostage. X-Factor gets involved. And it's kind of a this is kind of a telling of how they got involved. And Pietro was on the Bleary of the Moon with Crystal because this is when they're still together. And the government asks why X-Factor got called and said, well, that's obvious because of the negative publicity. So Hmm. Avengers wouldn't get involved. Fantastic Four would not get involved because this is a very public mutant attack on a Latverian embassy in New York. Like they don't want to put their reputation on the line. Yeah. So Madrox and Strong Guy do a big diversion at the front of the embassy while Wolfsbane sneaks in through the back. She gets caught by the illusion-making person, mm-hmm. creates the father or the Reverend Reverend Craig to sure. make her pass out. Well, ba- not pass out, sorry. Creates the vision of Craig. She crawls into the field position, yeah. goes back to her human form. She's incapacitated. Sure. And what the... Be- the mutants want to do is they want America to take, to invade and create a democracy. They want to oust doom. And like, that's their goal. It's not going well. Polaris and Havoc get on the scene. Havoc asks to come in and just have a conversation. They try to scare him away. He's like, that's cool, but we're going to talk. So (laughs) they let down the force field Police have a shot. They try to take a shot. She puts the wall back up. Havoc gets pissed, shoots back, takes out a police car. The government's upset. You destroyed a police car. He's like, yeah, but like I was angry. Like you were angry. He's like, yeah, because I literally was talking and they just got in the way of all of my negotiations. But I am also thankful. And they're like, and he's like, why? He's like, well, they saw how angry I would get if my word wasn't kept. So they let me in because I gave them my word that I would just talk. <laughs> so, yeah. So he goes in, like, you know, asks, you know, what's your goal here? What are you guys trying to do? They have Wolfsbane captive on the roof. <laughs> Wolfsbane loses it, gets, gets loose. And by the end of it, she hospitalizes the person that made all the illusions. Mm. She just, Goes insane. While this is happening, Doom was previously in New York during Fantastic Four number 361. They had just defeated Fantastic Four had just defeated some plan about of his about drug addicted youth. I don't know what that storyline is, but it happened <laughs> in Fantastic Four 361. Sure. So theoretically, he's still in New York. And We're so, really, yeah. <laughs> because it's Doom. Quicksilver knows he's going to be holed up in a fancy hotel. So he goes and checks all of the fancy hotels, <laughs> finds Doom, and he's like, <laughs> uh, he's playing piano. 
<laughs> and Quicksilver shows up. He's like, in the Hall of the Mountain King. Good choice. He's like, oh, hey, you're L- you're Lencher's boy, right? Correct. Pietro, you're needed. Needed for what? <laughs> and he's like, I got you. <laughs> well, he so he tells him what happened. He's like, get there, get me there immediately. And Quicksilver's like, don't say that unless you mean it. Of course they mean it, you feeble. <laughs> and then that's where you get the scene nice. of Quicksilver giving Dr. Doom a piggyback ride <laughs> running through town. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Drops him. He says, you okay? And Doom's about to like hurl. He's like, need a minute? And Doom is like, I need nothing. Stand aside. And he says, okay. He throws awesome. up. And then it comes back to Quicksilver in court. And he's like, he needed a minute. Anyway, <laughs> fun little, fun little sweet. Side. Yeah. Anyway, Doom shows up. And negotiations are officially off the table, <laughs> puts all the mutants down, and it ends with the end of the investigations being like, look, that happened. You know, we got through it. X-Factor did its job. You don't have a case here. Mm. It ends with Rain visiting the girl that she messed up in the hospital. Mm. The other three show up and they're like, hey, you got to go. And she's like, hey, you recovered. And they're like... You heard him get out. This was a mistake. So you say, so I know. And so she tries. Rain walks out. The four of them are in the room. And Rain says, they're all yours. And it shows doom. He says, thank you. She says, you're welcome. And she walks out. Green is shining from the from the room that they're in. Nurse says, what's yeah. happening in there? Rain says, the doctor is in. And that's that. Oh, so, okay. Like, Obviously, we're led to believe that Doom killed the four of them. Right. The four said that they're in, they were from the same like troop that Doom was in before he like became a dictator. Oh, interesting. And Guido is like, that's, or Havoc says, that's kind of weird that all of you guys manifested powers from uh-huh. the same group, like mutant. Mutant DNA is kind of all over the place. Right. Like, yeah, we all had latent mutant genes, and Doom experimented on us and turned us into like mutants, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like they didn't have a very strong case. It wasn't entirely well thought out, but you have to tell a story beginning to end in two issues. Yeah, totally. I feel like it it existed kind of to show that Rain is okay with letting other people kill. Mm. And just another case for X Factor to have to deal with yeah. to, with the government council, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Just just more more content. Already had yeah. it in the hopper, you know, the script hopper from 30 years ago. And just like, eh, <laughs> sure. Let's make yeah. let's make this one. Like that this is what I wanted to tell at some point, mm-hmm. but the other story got in the way. And so but yeah, my had, favorite thing was that. Knowing so. Peter David, it was I got pulled into yet another crossover that I didn't want to do. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah, so that was X-Men Legends. I really liked it. Cool. Primarily because it's set in the time period that you're reading. <laughs> yeah. That is it is and it's awesome that like I was able to like place like I didn't think that I was gonna immediately be immediately I mean, place. I I did I did look up them on the wiki right i looked up the issue number mm. the issue number and but like once i saw like 
the um, the cover and a little bit of the synopsis. Like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 this is what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I was primarily primarily looking forward to uh, having you just drop random little knowledge bombs like that. <laughs> so that was cool. Excellent. So at the end of the Adam X story, they do mm-hmm. an quote unquote official family tree of the Summers line. Oh boy. And so we've got Vulcan, Havoc, and, and Cyclops. We've mm-hmm. got Extreme, Mr. Adam yep. X, off of Captain Summers. They the don't most put 90s there. superhero name ever. Right. So the reason why it's only imp- it's still only implied that Deken raped Catherine is yeah. he's listed as family by genetic manipulation. Mm. So like. Okay. He took. I see it more as like a X twenty three situation. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little heavy to put that in, right? For you know, for your kids, and like we still, in we the still, 90s. I, I don't want to say still, but like we don't really have any characters who are products of of rape. Yeah, I mean, Purple Girl, maybe. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah oh, all the geez. purple children potentially for, for the sake for the sake of just i guess asking is it a one-to-one interchangeability between rape and sexual assault no or is sexual assault, sexual assault larger, it's, it's a larger yeah, right? category yeah so is just for the sake of having the conversation is the are the acts that pope man has told women to do with him are those are the are those in the they are sexual assault are they rape if it involves the actual having of sex it's mm-hmm. rape i believe i i don't know that's yeah, like I mean, it's like it's just it's legitimate like, to ask like it, right it's non-consensual sex acts is rape whereas sexual assault is like anything including like other forms of violence but it right, just right, things right. that have you know include a, a sexualized nature or flavor even if like it's not actually sex happening and the issue of consent is not really i mean i guess like that is how you change like or define the definition between like more extreme like bdsm it's like this is violent and it's sexually tinged but it's consensual it's so. consensual yeah 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 is yeah i mean not a great subject <laughs> <laughs> i guess just generating conversation yeah other things on this chart that stood out to me is there's no mention of the other children of elaine and john gray mm. to like talk to for your deep cuts of her nephew uh-huh her niece and nephew yeah they're not listed here interesting however mm-hmm. the child of rachel gray and franklin richards is on here hyperstorm hyperstorm jonathan richards uh-huh. I, I love that you know that <laughs> but they also <laughs> they also list ruby summers from oh yeah that other alternate timeline from where, peter david's other x-factor run. yeah <laughs> where <laughs> where emma frost and cyclops have have a child cool. and she's organic ruby quartz but like mm-hmm. i thought it was interesting that they included them and like tyler dayspring yeah but not All reality the rest of characters jeans people and also <laughs> they did and they didn't specifically put in 
the Eve uh, name, but uh, whatever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so it's it's just blanket interesting what they choose to put and what they chose to leave out. That is interesting. Anywho. Anywho. That's all I read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I knew I knew I knew Legends and Thor were gonna be a little bit longer. So I wanted to for sure. This. And I thought Legends would be a good segue into more nineties comics. Yeah. Should I get started then? Yes, please. Okay, so Deadpool. I'm just going to like take a step back to start here. So Deadpool, you know, we know him as a pretty big deal character right now. He's been the star of two movies, but this was his first solo book, right? It, he'd had a couple miniseries and he so he was created as an antagonist in, in X-Factor by Rob Liefeld <laughs> and Fabian Nicieza. And was just kind of like a mercenary who just talked a lot at first. And then like, oh, he makes like so many random pop culture references, right? And then that was kind of his thing. And it's really interesting to kind of like see the layers being added and added onto this character as he becomes... go on. Yeah, as he becomes the the more like well-rounded character that we know today not just in terms of like emotional depth and you know like depth of story but also voice right he's not just like mm. being an edge lord and sh- you know these days and like shouting out like just nonstop pop culture references he also like he's just he's got a lot more registers for humor now than he did mm. back then anyway so the series so far has sort of the main plot has been that there's this interdimensional like holdings company and law firm, Landau, Luckman and Lake, who have taken an interest in him. And it turns out that they believe that he is to be the Mithras, this sort of assistant, this fated hero that will protect a, a savior that's coming to the world from this um it, as we learn over the course of this storyline that I'm about to talk about so there yeah some alien consciousness is coming that's supposed to be the savior and a being called Tiamat wants to destroy it and he has to stop Tiamat to help this sort of like new age of good feelings and peace happen is this is Tiamat as opposed to Tiamat, Tiamat. <laughs> as opposed to Tiamut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is right. Okay. This is this is not <laughs> the celestial Tiamut. This is not. Okay. This is not the celestial Tiamut. There's like a a more like uncreated the Tiamat from 2099. There is the Anunnaki Leviathan Tiamat. It's not that. It's it's not like a, any sort of, it's not the planet from the Anunnaki. It's, yeah, it's, it's this like Atlantean slash alien guy. This, this alien guy who lives on Earth in this Atlantean like shelf, like continental plate cave area or something. I don't know. 
as it turns out. We don't need to worry about him for a while. So anyway, Wade has been dealing with this like this prophecy, right, where he is and and he just doesn't think of himself as the type of guy to like do this sort of thing. He's like, "No, I'm I'm just like a real shitbag. Like you must have me wrong." But over the course of this series, he's been like slowly like accepting this as like maybe I am the right guy in like, oh, if I'm going to be some sort of savior, if I'm going to supposed to be a hero, I'm going to have to get my shit together. I'm going to have to start treating people better. And so like recently he had weasel uh, had been hanging out with blind owl at his house in San Francisco. And that's against Deadpool's rules. He did it's, he wants blind owl. Nobody can know about blind owl, his hostage there essentially. And he stuck them both in this torture box that he just has in his house. And then, you know, eventually, like, feels bad, lets them out, tells Weasel to just, like, take a hike and want to see him again. But Blind Owl, he's, like, you know, spends a long time, like, she's giving him, like, this bad attitude and it, by, like, being not, like, being their normal antagonistic teasing pranking each other type relationship. And eventually he apologizes to her and is like, Hey, you're free to go if you want to. And, but she decides to stick around. She has some, she doesn't tell him, but she has this like thought bubble mention of a vague, like a huge debt to him. Some reason that's keeping her around that we don't know as readers yet, Mm -hmm. but anyway, Oh, so the reason that Wade is being seen as this messiah is Landau and Luckman. Landau Luckman and Lake has a precog named Monty, who who you know was the first one to report on this whole prophecy. Monty is this like emaciated dude who is hooked up to machines all the time to continue surviving. He has no skin. He's very gross. And as a thanks for believing in him and like. Wade is starting to feel himself like become a better person. He apologized to Blind Owl. Things are kind of on the up for him. And so he, as a thanks to Monty, he kidnaps him from Landau, Luckman, and Lake and takes him to the Monte Carlo Casino. <laughs> He's like, hey, get it, Monty? You're a precog. We can win a bunch of money. Just cheat the place dry. But Monty hates it at first. He's extremely reluctant. But then they get to a poker table some sort of, it might have been blackjack i don't remember and they beat a guy a french guy named georges for millions of dollars it turns out that georges is batrock batrock the leaper and so big fight ensues batrock kicks monty out a window into a pool monty discovers the thrill of being alive as he's falling out a plate glass window <laughs> and you know after after the fight he and deadpool go out drinking he Monty predicts Titanic two, and because it's nineteen ninety eight. Okay. He also predicts Michael Jordan winning the Masters, becoming a pro golfer. Wow! And he says, uh, <laughs> "Wade says, man, why didn't I meet you before I bought all that stock in Marvel Comics? Because <laughs> Marvel's going bankrupt right now." <laughs> <laughs> this is as far as i can tell the first instance of wade breaking the fourth wall 
But Monty's like, this was the best day of my entire life. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask out Zoe. Zoe Zoe Culloden is the Landau Luckman and Lake agent who has been most attached to Deadpool, along with another guy named Noah. And then there's this amazing letter column page. Oh, my God. I'm going to... So here's the letter column page. He tells... <laughs> he's got he's got a bat rock, right? And he's holding him over this giant courtyard, uh, over the same pool that Monty just got kicked into. And he's like, of course, he's a prune in a wheelchair. You are the famous, uh, the infamous bat rock Zilliper. You've got a rep to defend, so go on, leap. And it, the the word leap is in on its own page, uh, or on the next page from the rest of the dialogue. You've got this long vertical panel where, where it's the whole side of the building going down into the courtyard, into the pool. And at the top is Deadpool saying leap, you know, leaning out a plate glass window that's broken. And then at the bottom of the page is Batrock bound and tied and falling. And then in the background of all of it is the letter column for the issue because they just didn't have room. I just thought this was so cool. Well, I love that they didn't write over anybody's letter. Yeah, they just they just have the the whole first column of the letter column is is just like is them talking about the fact that they used some of the letter column. Yeah, to the, and they issue. wrote a big big long fake letter. This <laughs> is like you may think that this is a biz- we have a bizarre sense of humor, but I can assure we can assure you that we do not need any psychiatric care. <laughs> just all this stuff, just like guys, I understand. We thought it'd be funny. You should think it's funny too. If you don't think it's funny, something is wrong with you, and not something with uh, something that's wrong with us. <laughs> and it's just on and on and on and on until they filled enough letter. It, yeah, it's just. I just thought that was so such a cool use of of space and storytelling Mm -hmm, i've never mm -hmm. seen anything like it before i just thought it was extremely cool so yeah he's he uh monty just had the best day of his life resolves to ask out zoe and their boss in landau and luckman and lake overboss dixon mind wipes his last 48 hours away Mm. because he's a giant asshole and so wade starts getting these like visions of what he's going uh or they they share with him you know, this idea of what he's supposed to do as the Messiah, protect, you know, the whole thing that I said before. And then another Landau and Luckman and Lake employee, Noah Dubois, who I was talking about before, the other guy, main contact for Deadpool, finds out about the mind wipe and his outrage. He secretly tells Zoe, who kidnaps Monty. And then later, Dixon finds out about Noah's sort of like insubordination, sends him out on a solo mission against, or, you know, an unprepared mission against Tiamat, basically to have him killed off. So yeah, Zoa kidnaps Monty, Wade is watching Teletubbies. (laughs) (laughs) Culloden and Monty go crash in on him watching his Teletubbies out at his San Francisco home. Again, Wade really doesn't want people there and he freaks out and he leaves to get stop in on the X Factor, or sorry, the X Force headquarters, who coincidentally are also in San Francisco now. Because he always he always uh, gets sort of like his moral guidance from Siren. Mm-hmm. She's asleep. Uh, Cable is also there, just kind of like keeping an eye on you know making sure everybody's okay. 
Cable, you know, takes Deadpool outside. They fight it out and talk it out. Talk about this sort of like situation of destiny and shared fate and, you know, sort of the opportunity of, of having this fate or feeling like you're being shafted by it. And Cable is dying right now because his powers were turned off from the Psy War. And so he has nothing to fight against the TO, the techno-organic virus. And so this confrontation kind of makes Wade realize, like, he has to accept this because Cable, in Cable's case, like, he's dying before he has the opportunity to live up to this prophecy for him, etc. Yeah, and then this other character who has been kind of in the background of the series from the very beginning, named Jerry, who is Wade's homeless friend in the park, he and he's had some weird sort of like he's he's bounced around showed up in strange places you know speaking german and french like all around the world there's more to him than meets the eye and it's clear he knows things that are going on he shows up also in wade's house while some things are going down and says that he taught dixon well over boss dixon the landau luckman and lake boss so mysteries abound it's finally time for Wade to go off on his mission. The Tiamat has aw- awoken and the the alien consciousness that will bring, you know, peace, prosperity, future, etc. It has awoken. Dixon has been trying to get Wade killed for quite a while now because he's just like he's certain that the prophecies are wrong. Wade needs to be sacrificed in order to bring out the real Mithras and he recruits Captain America to do it. Oh. And so there's this long sort of like recruitment process and Cap's like, you're a monster. I don't like what you're doing here. However, there's clearly a responsibility and a job that needs to be done. So like, I don't like you. I don't like the situation, but I'll save the world because it's kind of who I am and what I do. And Dixon's sort of like plot to kill Cable crests and he sets off a bomb in Wade's house while he... Uh, Zoe Culloden and Blind Al are there, and Jerry, the mystery bum, transports them all away. But Wade kind of, he has a teleporter through time as well that he took off of Noah's corpse. I'm skipping through a lot of things, but he, you know, confronted, found Noah's corpse, etc. Mm-hmm. in the first sort of like confrontation with Tiamat, got his ass kicked. And so he goes back to the setting of the first issue, the time of the first issue, can't like interfere with anything, but he's just listening to Noah and Zoe talk about him and his heroic potential, even all the way back then, before he had done anything heroic. Or that was like his first thing he did heroic was stop this giant like nuclear reaction in Antarctica from giving cancer to millions of people, essentially. And so... He's kind of inspired by their belief in him even back then and kind of like what it takes to be a hero. He's like, okay, I can do this. And so he steps in and confronts Tiamat. He he sidelines Cap and fights Tiamat. And then the alien consciousness is flying through space, approaching Earth, and it it, you know, goes past like a Shi'ar battalion and the Watcher, and it's bringing everybody just this mindless bliss as it passes by. It turns out, you know, through through the fighting with Tiamat, they finally are able to sort of like make connection and talk. And it turns out that the this alien consciousness that is supposed to bring peace and prosperity is doing so by 
just turning everybody into zombie vegetable, you know, like denying free will, et cetera, et cetera. And so he kills like, um, the yeah. Firefly movie. Serenity. Right. Yeah. So he, I don't know why that one planet sticks out in my mind all the time. <laughs> so he um, kills it and saves the world. And, you know, some epilogues, it turns out that Jerry, the homeless man, is secretly, or it turns out to have been the fourth mystery, mystery partner from Landau, Luckman, and Lake. Landau, Luckman, and Lake, and LaCroix is Jerry LaCroix. <laughs> yeah, so that's his deal. That's why he is what he is. Dixon gets incarcerated by Landau, Luckman, and Lake higher-ups for doing so many terrible things. And what's her name? Culloden gets promoted to overboss in his place. Oh, this is a great panel. Sorry. Back to Wade doing, you know, killing the the Messiah breaking through. He's like Cap is being has been taken over by the 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 zombie bliss uh, consciousness, etc. And he's like uh, you know what? It Wade's like, "You know what? I I can't be responsible for choosing pain and suffering over the over the happy time for 6 billion people. Listen, what? Why don't we Rochambeau I'll Rochambeau you for it. Like, this is this is too big for me to decide the fate, the fate of the Earth. I'm not that guy. Let's Rochambeau. And zombified Cap is like, well, if it helps you, how do you play? Like, it's easy. I'll go first. <laughs> Rochambeau and just punches him in the gut. <laughs> and then there's a big American flag behind. Oh, no, kicks him in the nads. Sorry. And there's a giant American flag behind the... And it's just, I don't know, very funny. It's a giant kind of 13-star American flag. Yeah, colonial American flag. So, yeah, then we get sort of an epilogue. Cap remembers nothing of the whole thing. Neither do the world governments or people. Laquar disappears. Monty dies. Or no, not dies, sorry. He gets decommissioned as a psychic. He loses his powers. Dixon suffers a mental breakdown and gets confined to an asylum. Cullinan gets promoted to overboss and kind of fudges the record for the whole thing to, to keep everything, you know, safe and sound. And there's one more thing. Blind Al is talking about this guy she knew during the war named Blondie, you know, big, uh, real... Um, selfless guy always the type to to throw himself on a grenade etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know the the times that, that they had together and and all of that and you know I, I kept this locket that he gave me that you know a keepsake to remind us of each other and then at the end of the fight captain america finds it and he, he sees uh he says what the devil a medal to althea thank you for reminding me what it means to be a hero every yours steve Al, by God, I remember. This is mine. So, what? <laughs> so Blind Al has some real history. Dating what? all the way back to World War II. With like actual Cap. dating. <laughs> Potentially. Interesting. Yeah. That's a weird metal. Uh, right? Weird. Yeah, it's got the hammer and sickle on it. So yeah, it's, again, this is this was the end of the first sort of like main story arc that's been carrying Deadpool for 25 issues now. So interesting to see where it goes in the future and kind of a cool formative time for, you know, a character who turned out to be a rather major player in Marvel. Yeah. So 
Next, we've got Cable. And we saw a little bit of Cable, right, in that issue of Deadpool. Like I said, he's still without his powers after the Psy War, and the techno-organic virus is eating him up worse than ever. This rogue faction within S.H.I.E.L.D. So I guess Nick Fury is back in as S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield director, and GW Bridge is, has been transferred to to the Pentagon as sort of as a DC liaison. Do you? Sorry, this is super random. Yeah, is GW Bridge still alive in twenty twenty two comics? Yeah, I don't see why not. I, I don't remember him dying, but there are a lot of comics that I haven't read. <laughs> it's worth a wiki look up. George Washington Bridges. Bridge. <laughs> oh man, people in in this storyline, some characters start calling him George. I'm just like, this isn't uh-huh. right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do not recognize you by this name. Oh, that's right. He's one of the shadow guys from Janice that Osborne reports to for running the Ravencroft Institute. Hmm. Cool. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I did not remember that. Cool. All right. <laughs> okay, so so Fury's back, and Bridge is transferred, but there's this rogue faction headed up by Clay Quartermain, which I feel like is always a bad sign. And they hire Agent 18, Jack Truman, to capture Cable. This guy is a new character. He, he stuck around for quite a while after this, actually, and strange places he's the sort of like honorary mercenary in it for a good fight etc etc he does some like research on cable he's like oh you're a soldier but more than that you're a hero this will be the perfect test of my skills blah 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 cable's been hanging out in hell's kitchen lately at this diner specifically just kind of like hanging out there a bunch flirting with a waitress and so Truman goes to Hell's Kitchen and pulls Zax out of the power grid, because why not? And then there's like a big fight, and then Zax, the, they decide they don't want to draw Zax anymore, so he goes away, and then there's like a bunch of like shield air backup coming in, and they just like obliterate several buildings trying to get at Cable. Eventually, in all the chaos, they do recapture him, because again, he is dying. <laughs> <laughs> While he's captured, they extract his, some techno-organics tissues and they put it in some robots that they have, the Nemesis series robots. The robots develop sentience and start believing that there are Nick Fury and the Howland Commandos and that they're on uh-huh. a Nazi dirigible and start destroying the helicarrier. And then the real Nick Fury and Cable save the day, blah, blah, blah. Blake Smith gets in contact with Cable and kind of like tells him like hey you actually have your telekinesis it's only it's only your telepathy that's burnt out you're just kind of like your system's in shock and you don't recognize that you have it but you have it and so they go and save the day but the commandos do enough damage to the turbine room and the helicarrier that there is a giant fire and that guy jack jack truman gets burned nearly to death and put in t- into a life support program, the same life support program that was working with the techno-organics. Presumably, he's given the techno-organics himself. And then there's a B-plot where Irene Merriweather, the journalist who's, who Cable chose as his chronicler, mm-hmm. she and Blake Smith 
hatch a plot to save Cable by go by sending her to DC to find GW Bridge and basically convince him to take the story of all of this to the press. And so, you know, there's an amusing like panel of J. Jonah Jameson yelling at them in the Bugle offices. I just want to comment one more time on the artist on this series. He's been on it for, you know, 10 issues or so now. Guy's name is Ladrone. He's just got a very weird, blocky sort of style. It's not my favorite, but I appreciate that it looks absolutely nothing like all other 90s comics art, which Mm. looks quite samey, and his is the biggest stylistic departure. Blocky like Romita Jr. was? I would say even more so. Really? Yeah, it is like phenomenally blocky. Let's see if I can. Yeah, there's a lot of sharper angles. <laughs> Look at that. Wow, cable. Yeah. It's, it's like he I mean, it's, doesn't want to do curves. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It, I mean, I don't love the style. His voice, his mm-hmm. faces all look very savvy. Yeah, they do. Or I think he just traces faces a lot, probably. So I give him goatees and mustaches. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, you see that with a lot of artists. They kind of do all faces in a similar... Like Frank Quitely, who did a bunch of the new X-Men with Grant Morrison. He's kind of got that, like, everyone has the Cassandra Nova face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't help that they all wore black leather (laughs) for their suits in that time. (laughs) Totally. But yeah, so it's a, it's an interesting art style. Aesthetically, it's not my favorite. But again, I just really, really like that it's different from every single other 90s superhero right. comic, which I'm reading a lot of. Okay, and now we have X-Force. And this is the road trip? One more. They actually, uh, I misspoke earlier. They just finished their road trip, and they're settling uh. down in San Francisco. And another note on art, farewell to Adam Polina. I really liked it. he just he he leaves with with this story arc after having been the artist on X-Force for like 40 issues just a long time in comics. I really liked his style especially on um Sunspot. He had this cool sort of like wavy flame hair effect on Sunspot that always really worked and worked well for me. But he's gone. So yeah, when we last saw X-Force, they had this big fight with Rainfire in Las Vegas, and you kind of got to see the true origin of Rainfire, but then they also, Roberto got reconnected with his trust fund, and so they have a bunch of money now. He bought them a warehouse to use as a headquarters in San Francisco. But before they do anything in San Francisco, they go on a vacation to Hawaii. And there's this whole crazy plot with Lava Men and Risque and Sledge and the Vanisher. They're these (laughs) volcano gods who are like, you know, creating these terrible earthquakes and tidal waves and et cetera. And they have to, if you remember Sledge and Risque, Sledge was the guy who had that information about Warpath's tribe. Oh, right. Yeah. Risque was working for him and seduced Warpath for that whole business. Vanisher was also connected to it. Vanisher, the thing that um, that Sledge bartered Warpath with, like the job he had to do for him to get the information 
about his tribe's murder was he had to go to the negative zone and rescue Vanisher. Mm. So now Vanisher, it, it's you know never totally made clear what his involvement with Sledge and all, the, all of him was, why he wanted him back. Looks like there are still some mysteries to have here because they're just kind of there coincidentally also you know doing a, a job in Hawaii. So yeah, there's this I like... like yeah, he's he's a really interesting character. Also, did you know that when Boom Boom was a homeless kid on the streets, Vanisher was sort of like uh, she was part of a group that did like petty crimes for Vanisher. Mm. Called that was the first Fallen Angels series. Oh, yeah, <laughs> cool. I've only seen Vanisher on X Force. Mm-hmm. His teleportation. So, for those who don't know, Vanisher is a mutant that can teleport. And he mm-hmm. can bring people with him. His teleport sound is v- <laughs> it's VT. It makes it sound so quick. Yeah, right. <laughs> Another piece of Vanisher trivia: he is the second villain, the X Men, or he was the villain in X Men number two. He was introduced. Wow. Yeah. Before anybody except Magneto, who's before the Brotherhood, he was before <laughs> Sentinels, he was before That's wild. Yeah, Juggernaut, any of them. That's the kind of thing like that makes me laugh because like Vulture got introduced in the second issue of Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> no one cares about the vulture. <laughs> right? It's like it's like all right, all right, we got Magneto. We fucking nailed it first try. All right, how are we gonna top this? Vanish. Vanish. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? Like the first ish or the first episode of the Spider-Man animated series yeah. was Lizard. And mm-hmm. he gets introduced in the sixth issue of Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> who was the Who was the first Spider-Man villain? I don't. I don't want to say that there was a villain in Spider-Man mm. one mm-hmm. in the first issue. Like I think it was just yeah, like makes, just origin. It was yeah. It was like Peter Parker stuff. Yeah. Cool. That's a, great, a lot of his side way to start the support tone. cast. Yeah. yeah. A lot of his support cast was introduced in issue one, like Flash Thompson and Ben yeah. Grant and those types. Vulture was issue two. Doc Ock was issue three. Mm. And then Lizard was six. I don't know what they did in four and five. Amazing Fantasy... Yeah, so Amazing Fantasy 15 is just... Yeah, just like his like origin. Cool. Amazing Spider-Man issue number one mm-hmm. would be the next one. Okay. No. So, because like Amazing Spider-Man 15 was Craven. Uh-huh. And I don't know all of these off the top of my head, by the way. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have I have oh gosh. Well, I, there's not a huge overlap between people who spend bits on my Twitch and listeners of this podcast. But <laughs> uh Chameleon I have Chameleon was number 1. Mm-hmm. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it no, it was it it was a two story issue for Amazing Spider-Man oh. number one. And the the, the A-side go. story was based around J. Jonah Jameson, and the the B story was Chameleon. Chameleon? Wow, there you go. Yeah. Well, I guess that explains, that gives more weight to the whole com- Chameleon <laughs> conspiracy from a couple of volumes ago. Uh-huh. 
Oh, but oh, yeah. So I have secret comic book cover reveals, depending on how many bits people give on the stream on Twitch. Uh-huh. And I have the Ocarina of Time chest opening sound and the the comic book cover that any given character was introduced in slides <laughs> into the screen. Cool. And eventually I have 19 of them set up. And eventually nice. I would like to have, you know, a hundred of them <laughs> just based on all the different spider characters. That's dope. Yeah. But yeah. So I guess when I do one, I can do a chameleon. So yeah. Order X-Men rogues gallery in order of introduction. Magneto, yeah, look at Vanisher. <laughs> Magneto, Vanisher, Blob, Brotherhood, and then they fight against Namor, and then the Blob <laughs> comes back, and then Unis the Untouchable. Oh, huh. <laughs> yeah, and so on. So it's just, it, it's crazy how, like, how little of consequence happened in the X-Men during the 60s. Like, how few... <laughs> characters that became part of the you know like big parts of the franchise were Mm -hmm. introduced it's like you know okay the original five xavier magneto sure and then you know they do like the first incarnation of the brotherhood so you've got scarlet witch and quicksilver toad mastermind mastermind blob okay Eunice Vanisher, those guys are extremely forgettable, but they kept being brought around. Juggernaut, uh, Sentinels, those, you know, extremely memorable. And then you've got, like, really nothing. You've got the Mimic. Locust. Yeah. Mimic, Banshee, Banshee. Sunfire, Living Monolith, Sauron. And those are those are the memorable ones. <laughs> Everything right. else. But now was you're just in like the like reuse. 50s, which is like four and a half years later. Yeah, they just did they just did I, I've read it all. It's not it's not <laughs> worth reading. It went quick. And yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, just like how little of that stuck. Yeah. I feel like one day I should do this for Spider-Man. You know, I recommend it. Yeah. It's a good I feel like I should. It's a good perspective. It's a you've got a long ways to go. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know honestly after i yeah. catch up yeah i might do that on the off weeks cool that would be awesome all right so where was i oh yeah x-force geez so <laughs> yeah blah 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 hawaiian vacation they rescue this sort of like volcano monster MacGuffin and bring it back to the volcano monster who it's like, Oh, the, this thing being away was the reason why they're like acting out and like breaking things. So they give it back and the volcano monster's like, cool. Now we get to destroy the surface world. Like what? Wait, shit. And so they stop the (laughs) volcano monster, save the world. And then, you know, the Island protector goddess or whatever appears to them and gives them one boon and they're like, listen, we just we just want to enjoy our vacation. Can you make sure that nothing else just like disturbs us? We we could really use a vacation. And so that's what they use their boon on, and they have a great rest of their vacation. Back in the continental US somewhere, this guy named Jesse Aronson, who has electrical field disruption powers, and actually first appeared in Age of Apocalypse, which is three years ago by this point 
but he has not appeared in 616 since. He meets Domino in a bar and cuts a deal to lead her to Griezhnova. If you remember her from Operation Zero Tolerance, she is the sort of like, she has a big mad for Domino, a big grudge, and ended up kidnapping Domino and putting the implant in her neck that took away her powers. Got it. So Jesse meets Domino at a bar, cuts a deal to lead her to Griezhnova at this place called the Aguilar Institute, and in exchange, he wants help finding his long-lost brother. Griezhnova, it turns out, was a double agent in Operation Zero Tolerance, and Bastion found out her treachery and just absolutely wrecked her. And so, and Aguilar, she's they're rebuilding her as quote the Griffin because I guess not a whole lot of other you know <laughs> superhero or you know super names that you can choose that start with G R Y like her name. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, D- Domino gets captured. Jesse runs away. And then Jesse shows up in San Francisco, breaks into their warehouse, and he's like fanboy-esque. He's like, oh my god, it's X-Force. You guys are so cool. He knows everything about them. In the background, there's a plushie of of Cat Sith from Final Fantasy VII. So anyway, they all return to Aguilar together. They get separated. Jesse frees Domino and turns off the implant in her neck. There's more fighting. The Aguilar Institute explodes. (laughs) And there's this interesting line where um, somebody's like, listen, we've dealt, I think it's Warpath is like, or maybe, no, I think it's Danny. It's like, listen, we've we've dealt with the anti-mutant bigots for long enough. We're worried about that. But what's more worrying now, like we're used to all that. What's more worrying now is that there are these mega corporations who are looking to exploit mutant powers for their own ends. I thought that was a really interesting angle. So we'll see if that becomes Mm -hmm. like a more used reason for X-Force or like, you know, sort of like a, a narrative purpose or thread. Like, you know how it's like, oh, this is the the mutant team, but they work for the government. Oh, this is the mutant right. team, but they're the underground strike force, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and you know these these titles kind of cycle through these regularly enough. And so, I wonder if if this will be kind of like their reason for being. So yeah, Domino rejoins the che- the team, and Jesse also sticks around. And then around this time, Sam Cannonball just left the X-Men or he didn't, he took a leave of absence because his mom was sick. And it turns out that she has Guillain Barr syndrome, which is like a, a nervous system disorder. So he goes back to visit in Cumberland County, Kentucky, goes out, fly around, gets mis- uh, abducted by this mysterious powered individuals, Ulysses, who's a green dude. He's like a less hulking abomination at least how he looks, and this woman named Arcadia, don't know her powers yet, or I do, it turns out she has like these weird reality-altering powers, basically. She can teleport and create things, blah, 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 blah. But he's like, you can't use your powers, you're going to attract the hunters. They mistake Sam for one of the hunters. They're associated with, quote, the sword, no acronym. So not Sentient Worlds Observation Response Department. But just the sword. Yeah. It turns out that they are (laughs) deviants and that there is this sort of like internal schism within the deviant world popping up again. And so they're hunted by some deviants 
and what's her name uses her powers to help Sam. Sam's thinking about who he wants, you know, as his backup at this time. And it's not the X-Men, it's X-Force. And so she teleports X-Force to help them out, blah, 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 blah. And so this ends with Sam deciding to rejoin X-Force. Okay, so meanwhile, <laughs> in San Francisco, Jesse is being... <laughs> Jesse is being followed in a nightclub by three mysterious people in suits who turn out to be working for an organization called MUSE. That is an acronym. Stands for Mutant Underground Support Engine. It's sort of a search and rescue team for an endangered mutants or an, a mutant underground railroad. Uh-huh. X-Force, X-Force steps in. There's no fight. Jesse was one of the uh, MUSE's rescues and was being groomed to be one of their field agents, which is why he knows so much about them, turns out. He doesn't want to go back with MUSE, but also trust them enough to take him back to the team's warehouse. They talk it out. They get teleported away in the middle of it for the whole Kentucky fight. But yeah, the, the plot thread kind of dangles from there. We'll see where it goes. But the reason that he doesn't want to go back with them is that he's looking for his brother. And Muse is like, dude, your brother doesn't exist. You made him up as, you know, you were taken away from your family and everything else that you knew and loved. And we think you invented a brother to to make yourself feel better or, you know, find some connection. We've scoured. We have all of the information about everything. We've looked. We've tried. We can't find him. We don't think he's real. And Jesse's like, hmm. you're just wrong, and I'm going to find him. And Domino's like, well, you helped me find Griosh Nova, so I'm in for this as long as, you know, as long as it takes. But he stays hanging out with X-Force, and so does she, largely, question mark. She kind of hops in and out. She's Sometimes she's there, and sometimes she's not. Another dangling plot thread from the whole Rainfire thing is that skids was involved in that storyline and then she her powers interfered with uh, tempo's teleportation tempo was helping out rainfire and they both got teleported to just some the side of some random mountain in latveria and then didn't get shown for a few issues and then we see them and they are in some sort of cell in latveria with this mysterious person, older woman, white hair and a mask who who calls herself Pandemonia. And it turns out that she is the daughter from centuries back of a chaos, a lesser chaos demon or a chaos lord. And if you're saying, hey, that seems like a pretty like, you know, highfalutin origin, why have I never heard of this character before? It's because this is the only issue she's ever appeared in. Um, (laughs) okay yeah and so she has like these possession powers she possesses locus and skids to and uses them to piggyback to san francisco and then possesses almost all of the rest of the x-force team danny and sam and jesse uh just happen to be in santa cruz (laughs) (laughs) which is where I went to college. So that was entertaining. Also, my friend Annie, whenever she says Santa Cruz, 
this is a long story for absolutely no benefit, but we have a mutual friend who one time was just like blacked out, blackout drunk and was telling some obnoxiously convoluted story. And, and so he's, he's just like, so there I was in Santa Cruz with finger quotes around Santa Cruz for no goddamn reason. <laughs> <laughs> and so now every time I see the name of the town, Santa Cruz, <laughs> I just think of Santa Cruz heavy finger quotes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah, Jesse, Sam, and Danny are in Santa Cruz and they find out that, you know, all their teammates have been possessed. And so they start looking around for some magic people and they find Jennifer Kale, who actually does have a lot more comics history. She's been like a, a supporting character with the Midnight Suns and Ghost Rider and stuff like that. So anyway, she knows magic stuff and she, you know, helps them out. And in the process, uh, something's up with Danny. She's got some sort of like weird powers feedback going on. Her powers are also affected by the Psy War and the, the blackout on telepathy. But it's more than that. And it's something to to kind of uh, keep an eye on going forward because she's just like gr- glowing blue and she's got a bunch of like or glowing sort of like negative space colors and uh, it's hard to tell what's really going on with her just like pulsating with energy. So that's a cliffhanger. We'll see what happens later. But yeah, blah, blah, blah. They beat Pandemonia and get everybody released. And then the the issue sort of ends with Domino. She is investigating the Aguilar Institute or leads around the Aguilar Institute. And she finds a kid who was kept away from Aguilar. And apparently the kid is connected to this town, almost Reno, which X-Force visited on their road trip and found like a bunch of mutant or fake mutant kids. Uh, like latent mutant and mutated kids given powers. So some plot threads are starting to converge. We'll see where all that goes. Last issue here is X-Force and Champions Annual 1998. Told you I'd get to some champions. Ah. So X-Force goes on a little day trip up to Yosemite. There's seven of them in the car. The car is getting real full. And that's without Domino. The team is getting too big. It's a bummer. Like, I, I really liked the interplay with Five. Like, the when it was Siren, Warpath, Sunspot, Boom Boom, and Danny. Like, they just really had... They all had room to sort of, like, I don't know, be themselves. Like, you got character moments for all of them every issue. And it was really nice. Or, or kind of regularly... And I'm kind of worried that they're starting to get drowned out. It's especially so in this because there's a giant superhero team up. They're driving along. There's a big rock slide. And they come across this guy named The Link who has a cult and is performing a ritual to awaken a titan. And there's just like this giant hand coming out of a mountain. And Hercules is there trying to stop them. And he's like, oh, we need to reform the champions which is the 70s champions team of Angel, Iceman, Black Widow, Ghost Rider, and Hercules. And if you're like, that's a random-ass team, I agree. It is. 
(laughs) (laughs) So the whole plot centers around, you know how like you say something and then you say psych at the end to mean the opposite. Back in the nineties. Yeah. (laughs) Back in the nineties. Yeah. (laughs) So the whole plot of this centers around saying psych in Asgardian. The there's like <laughs> so they're all like the the whole champions team arrives in the same panel from coincidentally from you know far flung corners of the Marvel universe and on cue they all just like form up and do this incantation but it turns out that the incantation was implanted in their minds by Hades Hades is actually this guy the cult leader the link Hades is kind of like the champions is Loki. He was their first villain. And so they perform this ritual, you know, to send the Titan back into the earth. But then they say psych in Asgardian at the end of it. Like, it's like ahem or something like that. And so it, it, it makes it come out even more. And so blah, 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 big fight against Hades and they successfully, you know, undo the ritual. They don't say psych and the day is saved. (laughs) (laughs) I wish it was that funny. (laughs) Well, it's just funny because like, why the Asgardian psych? That is also such a Hades. Yeah, no, there's no reason except that, except that nobody would know it except for Danny with her. So like the, so that the, uh, Did the she get chosen as a Valkyrie know? at this point yeah. already. Oh yeah. She's been, she's been a Valkyrie since new mutants time since the eighties. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I knew she's, I know she had a history with being a Valkyrie. I just didn't know for how long. Yeah. Yeah. Way back. I guess even if it was a nineties thing, then <laughs> it would have happened by now. Cause She's always been a Valkyrie in my reading, and that's been the last 20 years. Before that would have been the 90s. So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's my reading for this week. Not bad. Some highs and lows. Yeah. It's, again, this is one of those weeks where it's like, this is why I do this. You know, like... Seeing <laughs> seeing Deadpool come together as a character slowly and them adding right. layers to him. Yeah. That, that is fun. I, it's cool to be able to like have that retrospective yeah. perspective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That was cool. Uh, so what do you got next week? Next week, I have some spider stuff. Nice. Oh, well, so I do have a Valkyrie book, which has a conversation about freedom that I is like literally my only takeaway from it. (laughs) Okay. That I'm excited to kind of bring up. Then I have a smaller sized book called web of Spider-Man that, but it's like web dub, like as a anagram or whatever the word is. W E B Du Bois, Du Bois of Spider-Man. We're going to get some fucking, some fucking black reconstruction. Some, or no, that's Frederick Jamerson. We're going to get some fucking, uh, you get some black history here. I don't know. So (laughs) I'm now where I have to buy my own comics. 
Mm-hmm. I don't have John to tell me <laughs> that this is in continuity or not. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and it's W.E.B. of Spider-Man, and it's a comic from 2021. I don't think... I, I, I would be shocked if this had anything to do with W.E.B. Du Bois, to be clear. There's no way. Oh, no, but yeah. it would be... <laughs> Amazing. That that would be I would I would buy the hell out of that book. Oh well here you go. It this is the introduction. The like, you know, mild manner Peter Parker, blah blah blah. So the Avengers are setting up new headquarters and training facilities around the globe to inspire potential recruits who are willing to step up and become a part of something bigger than themselves. As part of this initiative, Tony Stark founded the Worldwide Engineering Brigade, yeah. Web for short. There we go. Okay. This is the web of Spider-Man. I that concept does not make me excited. So I'm gonna read it and find out if it is 616. Luna Lafayette is in it. Yeah. Anome is in it. Uh she's a genius from Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Harley Keener is in. Oh my goodness. Harley is the kid from Iron Man 3, I think. Oh, cool. Or Iron Man 2. Iron Man 3. Uh, Iron Man 3. Squirrel Girl's in it. I don't know. We'll see. And then um, I've got Silk. I have a Black Knight book. It's a one-shot. Thank God. And yeah, I think that'll probably be it for the next week. Excellent. Do you know what you got coming up? I've got Wolverine and Generation X coming up and a miniseries called X-Men Liberators. And if it goes much on beyond that, we get some more of our good friend X-Man. And then if it goes on beyond that, new Gambit ongoing series starting up. Woo! Yeah. Last thing I'll add mm-hmm. is during one of our breaks, I bought two more model kits. Fuck, <laughs> 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 dude. Put the outro music somewhere before I die of a crack of one up. With that, we'll put the outro music here. <laughs> All right. I hope you get your problem under your control. Or not, so I can keep laughing at you. <laughs> they look really cool. <laughs>